Um, I have a friend whose granddaughter uh, does the same thing. She's a little bit older than Maggie, but um, yeah, she would do the same thing and they finally had to like chop her hair off. So she has this really cute little bob and it, I mean, it suits her, but yeah, like she had much longer hair, but yeah, she just kept. Yeah. It's just this one spot. I don't know why she does it, but her <laughs> hair's already like, it's not that long. It's like this long. Mm-hmm. It's taking forever to grow and she just, I don't know. That's just her thing right now. She'll find something else Aww. soon, I'm sure. She's so cute. I know. She's the cutest. How old is she now? She is... What month is it? She's almost two and a half. She'll be two and a half, like end of April. Oh, how far along are you now? Uh, yeah, every month uh, we got to check up on Jessica. Yeah. How far along am I? I've got like a month left. Are oh, you serious? Yeah. The twenty oh, seventh. So I guess like five weeks. Yeah. We went over like what the name was last time, right? Like you kind of hinted at it. Probably. What? No, You'll not find William. It out soon enough. It's not William. I have to know now. I think all I told you Just is that. Sorry, guys. I make noises. That's okay. I think all I told you is that both our dads have the same name, so that's what we're going with. Yeah. Shoot, what was and it? And you're the most likely person to know that. So. I know. I know your brother's and, name. And I would actually tell you if this didn't get like posted freely on the internet and. Okay, so this this is my mom would find it. This is a podcast, which means we only listen. Do you know sign language? Can you spell (laughs) it out with your hands? I don't, but maybe I can do like a whiteboard just a minute. Okay, (laughs) that's right. You can't even do the ABCs, Jessica. No, give me a break. I already speak Spanish. That's two two and a half languages enough. All right, you kick my butt. Reading, presenting, do you want, uh, no. <laughs> oh, you're trying to do a this whiteboard so, so you can dumb. draw it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's not going to let me. What, why? There's going to be know. like, there's going to be like four listeners. But oh, yeah, why don't right, I just put it in the chat? I'm so dumb. Uh, oh, yeah. Okay, <laughs> no one said, oh, that's such a cute name. I love that. Do you have a middle name? No, we haven't really decided on one yet. Yeah. I had one Aww. I kind of liked, but Sean's not a fan of it. So, is it Sean? The, is that it? No. Oh, and his middle name yeah, is Garth. Sean. Where we would do that. Spelled, so, we're spelled, not doing that. You got to do the scenes spelling and not the SH spelling. I mean, yeah, that's the way his name is. is spelled, it, wait, so. did, did you say his middle name was right. Garth? Yes. As in Wayne and Garth? Yes. So, if, if he had a a less unusual middle name we would do his middle name but he does not and he hates his middle name so i can understand that but the middle name he wants is the name of his dad's father and his dad and his dad's father did not get along at all so i'm like i don't really want to bring that dynamic into my family oh dear but anyways Hmm. how's how's everybody else doing (laughs) You don't want to do like Steven or Craig for a middle name. I would, but Kay I think does they not would change think... the subject. <laughs> I think they would think it was weird. I think they're too close. And also, like knowing that this is the only other kid we're gonna have, I would feel like I was excluding one of them. 
Yeah. So I don't want to do that. I love Isn't that what hyphens are for? <laughs> so the middle name would be Stephen hyphen Craig. Yes. Or I could just Correct. go like Utah. I, I could go Intermountain West style and it could be like Strag or <laughs> Creven. We'll just Creven. combine the two. No, I'm not going to do that. We'll, we'll dig it. So did anybody hear there. from Anthony or Paul if they were going to join? Paul's, Paul's here. here. I heard from Paul. He said he would be here tonight and he is. <laughs> I'm just chomping ice, and that's why I have it myself on mute. I'm sorry. Nice. Anthony has not said anything. I thought last week he said that he could make it this week, but yeah, it things change. Looked like he was done with his thing, but they may still yeah, I thought, have other stuff going on. I thought he was the major reason for this week versus another week. Because we have to have Anthony his artistic understanding if we're going to look at an art movie like this. So, Sean, I, you said this is one of your top three. Did you say what your other top three were, like the other two? I did. Um, did I forget? And they're my top three because they've been my top three for like over a decade now. And I yeah. wonder if they really are still like my three favorites. But like, I can't change now. It's... um. <laughs> Number number one has been Amelie for a long oh, time. Oh, you're right. And then two and three is Harold and Maude and um, Edward Scissorhands. And oh. they, kind of, they kind of switch spots depending on which one I've watched the most recently. Okay. Mm, you did tell us, but I, I totally spaced it. So I'm sorry. That's okay. I forgive That's you. That's a great top three, man. Oh, man. I don't even know what my top three are. Yeah, that's rough to even have... I'd say Thor Ragnarok, number one. <laughs> it's a great movie. Beavis <laughs> and Butthead do America, two and three. <laughs> that movie's actually better than it should be. I know. <laughs> I haven't watched the new one yet, though. I haven't either. Oh, gosh. It's fine. It's watchable. It's not as good as Ragnarok. Oh, I was talking about Bill the new, the new Beavis either. and Butthead. <laughs> yeah. But... <laughs> what do you, they read like the face tattoo? <laughs> Kyler. Cool. <laughs> so good. Wait, Chad, how come you're invisible? Are you are you finally picking up one of your kids instead of making your oh, wife do it? Oh, no, I'm, I'm driving. So me and Henry are in the Hunchback of Notre Dame play. And there wasn't anything scheduled today. And then the stage manager sent out an email this morning saying at seven, we want all the choir people to come in for costume fittings uh, because we want the choir members to be extras in the play <laughs> too. So we have to wear costumes and do things. We don't have any lines, but we'll be ensemble people. We'll be soldiers for a couple That's scenes. Awesome. So this is unexpected. I thought I was just going to be home and sitting in front of the computer, and now I'm driving on there. So when we get there, I'm going to send Henry in, and he'll do his cast fittings and things like that. And then uh, he'll wait in line for me. And when it's my turn, he'll come and grab me. And then I'm going to have to hop off and maybe hop on again. We'll see. 
For oh, sure, hop man. on again. Shouldn't take too long. Oh, I feel like you're our fearless leader. It's going to be really interesting to see what what type of anarchy unfolds without you. What are you talking? It happened last month. It did. Yeah, you were on the podcast talking about um, <laughs> where the crawdads sing without me. <laughs> oh yeah, but your wife was keeping it together for us, and it was well, the Rachel, best episode yet. <laughs> Rachel's, jump, well, Rachel's jumping on this one too. I'm not sure where she is. Uh. It went so well. We're planning a mutiny, and we're going to start a new <laughs> podcast without Chad. I would listen to it. I'd listen to any like, I'd listen to a freshman year podcast that doesn't have me. That would be great. Get some stories would that are Chad centric. Uh, yeah, I, I'd put pressure on that statement. We, I don't, I don't know if we can have it without you. I've, <laughs> I've loved listening to those freshman year things. It was great. Although I realize how uncool I was. I don't know most of the people who are getting interviewed. So, but they are, they're super cool people that I don't know. Well, we had Maureen on and Jason yeah. said that he wasn't a friend of Maureen's. He I wasn't know. close enough to do the interview with her. Could you tell <laughs> when really? she was, when she yeah. was being spoken to, like, did that come across with as much bite as i thought it would like or did she just play it off she's like Haha, who cares about this guy who thinks he's not my friend oh it was it was in the we did a text thread before uh-huh and jason was on the text thread and he's the one that said that he wasn't really close to marine and didn't have a bunch of stories about it so it wasn't like a first thing that we brought up. It was a callback to a text making fun of Jason uh, for saying that. But then he was in like all of her photos. So yeah, right. <laughs> somewhere in there, like his idea <laughs> of friendship and his her idea of photoship are not the same thing. Exactly. It's kind of like I thought I was friends with Rachel Whitworth Erickson, and it turns out we we weren't in any photos together. Oh. <laughs> Like, oh yeah, I guess I just we were we were friendly and never hung out. <laughs> yeah. Pretty funny. I don't know. Is anybody else on? I don't I'm looking at a screen. I don't see the uh attendees. I'm not looking at a screen. Well, it's just us. So here here's the other problem is the next person to choose is William and then after William it's Jason and then after Jason it's Anthony so the next three people in line are not here <laughs> and then it's Paul so I'm I don't here. know I don't know is, is Paul next or do we use this as bait to get Jason or one William two skip a few show up? <laughs> I think we use it as bait yeah if they, I mean I'm fine with whatever month that you're hosting so if they want, I don't know. We could ask William if he wants to pick a movie and come on for a, a guest spot. <laughs> Man, that part, like, did you feel like he was like just burying his soul, though, during the, the podcast when he was talking about meeting Maureen was like one of his top five most yeah, important. We, everyone like, was things. just everyone was just crying. It was yeah. intense. Yeah. It was intense, and it was like, it was great. I didn't put that on the YouTube video. I cut it right off, like right after that is when I started the YouTube uh, video that I posted out. 
so no one can see us crying. <laughs> but you could hear like Maureen getting emotional and everyone. Yeah, was for like, sure. It was it was fun. But she and Will were ultimate buds just essentially for that that 12 months and then no more. They kind of just yep. went. I don't think they ever directions. hung out. They never hung out afterwards. And I, mm. I think it was especially that first semester. Like they uh -huh. were inseparable oh. the first semester. Yeah. Yeah, that's why we wanted to have Will on as like the the guest host. And Jason was a classic guest host. And he didn't even come on. Oh, whatever. He did for a second, though, right? He did. He did for a second. And he started the video for us. <laughs> he hosted it. Oh. So I didn't have to kick everyone off every 40 minutes. Oh, and Sean, how about Sunday to talk Weezer winter? Yeah, that should work. We'll have to get I, with Ann, Andrew I, and see. I need to listen to it again because I had all these like fully formed opinions that I've forgotten because it's been so long. <laughs> It's been a while. And it was snowing here today, so it's like winter still. Fun stuff. Oh, and I've been watching... Um, so I got Apple Plus. Rachel went on a girl's trip to California on Friday, and I got a free trial of Apple Plus. And uh, I watched a couple episodes of Slow Horses, and it was good. And then I switched over to Severance. And then I just watched all nine episodes of Severance in like and over two or three days. And it was amazing, like life-changing. It's the best show I've ever seen. It's so good. Have you watched Ted Lasso yet? I'm not going to watch Ted Lasso. <laughs> Explain. <laughs> uh, it's just the contrarian in me. No, but... <laughs> I don't understand. <laughs> it, the first season, I mean, like, it's all amazing, but the first season is like one of the funniest, but like gentlest and kindest like seasons of television I've ever seen. It's so. I've seen good. clips. It's so good. The clips don't get it. You'll get over it. <laughs> yeah, I'll probably watch it one of these days. But I need to finish Slow Horses first before my trial ends. The horses is it's fine. No, I read I read the first two books, so I like and it's it's amazing how close the series follows the books. Mm -hmm. Yeah, my husband <clears throat> has read all of them, so I watch it with him. But mostly, I like doze through the episodes with him. And if there's Gary Oldman as a spy, I'm He's in. Pretty good. He's so mean to them though. And Tinker Taylor Soldier Spy, and then. Slow horses, completely different characters. <laughs> he just farts all the time. Though British humor loves farts. They think that farts are so funny. Not wrong. <clears throat> oh, has anybody... Oh, what have you been watching, Jessica? Well, we watched that new season of Slow Horses. Okay. Hey, Anthony. Anthony just joined us, Chad. Anthony! And Rachel's here, also. Oh, we got a full house. Yeah. Except for Mayor. 
What else have I been watching? Nothing. I don't remember. I'll have to think about it. Come back to me. We've been okay. really busy. We're buying a house. Yes. And everything else. Well, so. you know what happens when you buy a house? That means you're going to move across the country right afterwards. Please <laughs> no. We've done that before. I know. You did that in Washington, right? No, I'm so mad about it. <laughs> <laughs> move back. Uh, doing it again. Hey, Sean, how was the uh, dispositions and trials? It was really busy. Um, so I was really worried because I'm just like a support guy, right? Like I'm not testifying or anything like that. Uh -huh. um, I was worried I was going to show up and be like super busy for two days and then not have anything to do and be like, why am I here? But it was like, it was really, really busy the entire time. It was kind of like um, when you're in school and you have a group project and like everybody's working hard on it and you have this great team. And then at the end of it, it's like, yeah, we did a great job, but that was just a stupid school project. I don't feel very <laughs> fulfilled. So, yeah. yeah, it was it was really good. It was really productive. It was like good to get me connected to a lot of people and be part of the team. And I think we did as good of a job as we could have done. And we'll find out how it went in like two or three months when we get a, a plan back from the state but yeah mostly just busy 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 and I'm glad to be back home and just the regular amount of busy how many geologists on the team or is it like environmental scientists as well or is it more groundwater yeah. water samplers so um like for the people that were there there's my my old boss that's kind of retiring and on his way out that he's a geologist, hydrogeologist type guy, the new boss that's kind of on his way in. So they both testified at this one. He's sort of the same same situation, but he's he's newer to this. Um, we have somebody that does human health risk assessments. We have somebody that does ecological risk assessments. Um, some people from other companies that do um, root zone evaluations and like study the you know the health of the plants on the site. We have toxicologists. Um, a, a radi radiation expert. He's a health physicist, I guess is technically what he is. But yeah, this whole yeah, we have a bunch of those team. on the site. Yeah, love it. Bunch of scientists. Yep. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's nuts. Yeah, and then a whole bunch of lawyers. So, oh yeah, it was a real party. Oh, anything else to say, Sean, before we move on to uh, horror recap? Um, nope, we're working on our garden. We're putting in a new garden bed, and I'm kind of racing. I have all these um, seedlings that I've started, and I don't have enough room to plant them all. So I'm trying to build this other garden bed in the next, like, two weeks so that I have somewhere to plant all my plants. And that's... That's what's going on with me right now. <laughs> nice. And Carrie, what have you been watching? All right. I saw um, Smile today, which I actually enjoyed it more than I thought I would. Um, I've been watching this anthology on Shudder called Channel Zero, which is really good. Um, and I saw a scary movie in the theater with my best friend. 
here. What was it? Affy. What did I see, Sean? See Megan? Yes, it was Megan. Thank you. <laughs> Which was <laughs> also a lot better than it should have been. I really enjoyed that. So I saw some other things, but those are the ones that like come to mind. So yep, watch Channel Zero, especially season one. It's really good. That's a lot less movies because you didn't you weren't homesick just watching scary movies for like a minute. Well, I didn't I didn't keep track this time either because I was embarrassed. (laughs) (laughs) That was shameful. That's awesome. I've just seen the things that I've seen in the past like few days. That's good enough for me. Love it. What else? So Anthony's on? Why aren't you on? I don't understand why I can't see you. He's I'll driving sit. in. Oh, you missed the preamble. Me yeah. and Henry are driving to get measured for costumes. Paul but was. Su- I could potentially su- get on. Paul was suggesting that you had some work done on your lips, and so you were still in recovery from that. That's true. I did shave. uh, Remix, remix. Face Chad right now. The rave is back. And I'm ashamed for it. Oh, Anthony, Hmm. what were your thoughts on, um, uh, or did you even watch, uh, what was the last movie we saw? Sorry. It's out of my mind. I'm not not after that that thing. Where the crowd oh, acting? I, did you, I started did you watching watch it? it. I started watching it. It was a little painful at the beginning for me, and and when I realized that I couldn't probably come, I was like, oh, "Okay, I'm not going to worry about finishing." It. I I really like the, I like let's have like a weird CGI. Let's have a weird CGI pelican at the beginning, like instead of. Like, I thought it was going to be this beautiful nature shot. And then they, like, had a CGI heron or pelican. And it's like, why can't that cost more than just hiring a nature photographer to go get video of a heron? Like, why did they? It was so weird. Uh, <laughs> like, but that was. Um, but I, it's hard to put myself in the in my in the shoes of what i was thinking at the time mainly it's about what's her face that wrote where the crawdad scene and how like her family seems to have actually murdered people in africa and that and then she wrote a book a novelization of this murder that she and or her husband and or son committed and wrote a book about it and like is a millionaire because because of this book that is based on a family murder so those are my thoughts yep we went over it on our episode it was nuts sorry i usually listen i didn't this time um you do you listen to him yeah, man. Like, if I'm on vacation, I de- I'm definitely one of those seventeen listeners. Four, um, 
Well, it depends on the episode. There's All some right. good. It's that time again. I'm going to open up the Anchor app. <laughs> I didn't last month, so I'm not, I'm not bringing the numbers up last month. All right. So let's see. My podcast, Where the Crawdads Sing, had 12. About see? a Boy has nine. Emma has six. From Russia with Love, four. And Three Identical Strangers has three. <laughs> and Maureen has 22 i'm one of those 22 yeah oh yeah what did you think about the marine it was episode, a good one. anthony it was <laughs> we're like going over old conversations now it was fun like what do you mean <laughs> what do you think all my podcasts are <laughs> no but i'm saying like it's just gonna get like very meta at some point where it's like <laughs> Like Chad's <laughs> podcast about his previous podcast. Yeah, I'm okay with it. <laughs> uh, like, here like we that's we hey, should go a, back through the old. Here's my video right here. Episodes. It, everyone see my lips? They look so like, full. <laughs> yeah, I got some work done. I can't tell. All right, video off. It slows down my my internet oh anything else anthony what have you been up to we haven't seen you in months i know you're not even asking me about me so i was debating whether i was going to show you guys something i did i started to do something i haven't completed doing something that i've wanted to do for several years and i'm still a good little mormon boy but i still did this you got a tattoo i started to at least i can't it it's not like the best angle. Sorry, I don't know how to. Do it. <laughs> Dude, that looks great, man. It's beautiful. It is wonderful. Yeah, we love it, Anthony. That it's is a so lot gross. of line work. How many sessions is that? So that's like the line work for the first session, and then next Tuesday will be the shading for that one. Yeah. And then, and then two days later, I'm gonna get another one on this arm. <laughs> so you're going sleeves right out of the shoot, man. Like well, from, from, from zero to everything. That's great. Are yeah. they symbolic? Are we allowed to ask? Sure. You can ask. Yeah, so it's the ones on this arm are all Utah wildflowers. Um uh and then on the other arm I'm gonna get like a beehive. Um and yeah, lots of things. I mean, uh, birds and the bees for sure. Um, the the inner relationship of like li like hard work, like a beehive and art, um, sort of like working in community versus freedom, and also like they're both ADHD. Like my head has bees in it all the time, and also I just want to run in a field of wildflowers and like not have any responsibilities. So. Um, yeah, lots lots of different ways that I think about it. Oh man, Anthony, we missed you. Where have you been on these episodes? We need you here. We're nothing without Anthony. Oh, thank you guys. I miss you. That's why I I mean I haven't seen Harold and Maud in 30 years, but I still needed to get on because I miss you guys so much. Um yeah, and this last week, I mean, we would have needed to reschedule anyway, but I've was at the Tin House Writers Workshop 
those of you that are friends with my public Instagram have already seen that, but um, uh, which was highlight of my nascent writing career, just incredible experience in, in interacting with the faculty there and with the other writers. And um, I, this podcast doesn't have far enough a reach that I've, can't share this here i don't think but in a few weeks they'll i think i don't know what i've shared here or not but in a few weeks they will announce that i was one of like you know there's a hundred something attendees and i was one of 13 people that was awarded a scholarship to attend um um, and it's already really competitive to be one of the hundred attendees um and uh yeah, just got to like celebrate each other's writing for a week and re- like meet just the coolest people um, and uh, really glad to, glad to have a bunch of new friends that are writers all over the country and the world and hopefully can <laughs> you guys in the chat, um, but uh, uh, hopefully can use it to, you know, I mean, it would have been worth it regardless. Like, I'm grateful to meet the people. I don't just want to have a utilitarian approach to it, but hopefully can use it to bounce into next things once this novel's done, hopefully later this year. This is great. This is great. I'm glad. So mostly what I'm hearing is we're going to have to be a lot more careful about what we say on the podcast from here on out because it's going to blow build up. a following. <laughs> it's going to blow up. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> Anthony's yeah, like, I, I promise. And then yeah, literary like, <laughs> authors, man, they, they are so famous. Like, the, like, seriously, people, though, no, like writing people love podcasts. That's it's true. That's true. Thing. That's true. I listen to quite a few myself. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. So that no, that was just amazing. My actual, again, because this doesn't have enough reach yet, but maybe someone will find it in the future and all. But um, my actual workshop leader was not that great, and I'm actually having a. Uh, a conversation with one of the directors of the program on Monday because of it. Um, Cause like I got enough out of the conference, like I took full advantage um, and I was awarded a scholarship. So like it's not a couple thousand dollars off my back, like it is for others. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm really thinking about the seven other people in my class that they did not get their money's worth. Um, yeah. So I'm going to talk to one of the directors about it on Monday. Yeah. So that's what's been going on. Oh, and Jana got hired as uh, the manager over the social workers in the emergency department. So she's a boss lady now. Whoa. whoa. So, so lots of good things. <clears throat> Love it. What was the last movie that you were here for? Uh, Emma. Emma. And then I think Sean said that it's William, of course, and then Jason, and then you. So Jason's not here. So you want me to come up with them? 
movie while we're talking? I mean, maybe. We were thinking about reaching out to Will and see if he wants to be in March. And if he okay. doesn't, we might just... What do we think? Do we want to put it out to Jason to try to tie him down to March? Or should should we just go straight to Anthony? March is a weird month for me, so... So if Jason or Williams is available, that would be great. Okay. Because um, I'm traveling more. I never travel. I'm more writing stuff, though. Going to okay. AW, AWP in Seattle in March. Well, I'll put it out to William and Jason. And if one of those guys uh, wants to do the, the pick for March... And we'll just let him pick and then schedule. Does William I, come? I thought Jason said William doesn't come anymore. I well, mean, like not we, that I... we had our we had our dinner in okay. December, okay. and we cornered Will and said, okay. "Hey, Will, what's up?" <laughs> I was and so like, sad that I was sick, guys. I was <laughs> I was so upset about it. I wanted to be there so bad. You pick the place. It's in Salt Lake. Everyone comes. <laughs> I wanted to hang out with everybody. That it's was tragic. So I was really upset about that. No, that was fun. But Will said that he's not completely out, but maybe one of these days he'll come back. He didn't want to be taken out of the thread, the text. Chad, when I, you don't you don't have your video on when I'm nodding, can you see me nodding? Yeah, I'm parked now, okay. Okay. so I got my video on. <laughs> All right. Um, welcome back, Anthony. Maybe think about a movie for March, but probably not. And then we got Rachel. Rachel's on? I'm on. Hey, I'm here. <laughs> you got any updates for the group? Um, a book yes there was a book I wanted to share my camera's off because I have been running lately and I'm sitting on my massager thing and it's just like I have to be in awkward positions I don't know it sounds weird but um, I read this book lots and lots of swear words but it's really short and I loved it so much and I thought maybe some people in this group would appreciate it. Um, but it's really sad, too. It's about, um, well, it's this dad who's a writer. He writes a TV show and start or acts in it. And um, his son gets diagnosed with brain cancer and ends up dying. Um, and it's his grief process, I guess. But he's a very good writer. Is this the Rob Delaney book? Um, yes, Rob Delaney, A Heart That Works. Okay, Rob Delaney that, is my hero. I love Rob it. Delaney. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, have you guys read it already? It's I haven't great. read it, but I've that show that he's in, Catastrophe, is hilarious. Like the first season. Yeah, he's a writer. I don't ever remember laughing so hard as watching that show. Um, Comedy is funny. His Twitter is funny. And his role in Deadpool 2 is really funny. Okay, I'll have to look into him. 
this book is hilarious, but it's also like dealing with the most depressing things in the world. So it's very interesting. I loved the way that he was able to make me laugh and cry genuinely at the same time. So that's my input. Love it. Can I give one more update, Chad? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes, Anthony, when, you may. <laughs> when Rachel posted photos of the two of you on Instagram on, I think it was your anniversary dinner, but I don't remember. I said that I would make out with either of you because you both look so good. And, <laughs> and Rachel, Rachel said that Chad would hold me to that. And so... <laughs> <laughs> he will. <laughs> he will. Oh. I will, Anthony. We'll make out. So I'm. I'm. I told her I would. You any one spot on your head, you get That's to choose. Right. <laughs> I will give you a smooch on your head in any one spot. Well, <laughs> if you're around him all the time for some reason, and you happen to notice that he actually shaves his face. He will make out with you, I think. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Rachel went two days without noticing that I shaved my mustache. I went over to a neighbor's Not house. Not just your mustache. Everything. Everything. I don't have anything on my face or head. I'm just a bunch of shiny skin. Um, and I went, over, right? <laughs> I went over to um, uh, pick up my 10-year-old from a neighbor's house, knocked on the door, opened it up. The mom looked at me and first thing, oh, you shaved. <laughs> oh, man. Well, so everyone great. else mm -hmm. is just yeah. a lot more observant than I am. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm always just trapped in my own head. Rachel's our little undiagnosed ADHD baby. It's okay. Um, <laughs> uh, Rachel, question about this: Do you do you have a preference when you're kissing Chad of <laughs> of whether he's shaved or not? Um, I like a little bit of scrub stubble. When his mustache gets really long, there's no suction, and that's really annoying to me. <laughs> there's no suction. That's great. This is too real. <laughs> you asked. I no, I just, I just find this really, really masses. I hope it's this one <laughs> right here, right now. I'm trying to. We're trying to make something in this podcast. We gotta like. I mean, yeah. gonna get if this one doesn't get more than the 22 or the 17 or the three, <laughs> I, I don't know what else we can bring because this is choice. All right, moving on from Rachel, we got Paul. Any updates for you? What's your section, Paul? What do you normally do before the uh uh what's your preamble? Uh I think uh historically I ask a bunch of questions and then <laughs> I um I say, Oh, I'm so sorry, like I, I'm self-conscious about the fact that I ask these questions and then other people kind of like assuage my fears and like, that's okay, Paul. Like, that's a very human thing to do. Like asking questions is how humans connect. And then um, I say, oh, okay, well until next week and or month. And then um, we go to somebody else. So it's so, time it. for Paul's therapy session. Yeah. yeah rapid we fire like, we're here for you. 
yeah if I, I appreciate says that. anything about what he's doing he's always more concerned about what other people are doing once to dig into some answers yeah <laughs> it's like uh uh like a savior mentality thing where you're like always trying to save other people at the party, but you go home like super drained. And so mm. it's, it's, it's a thing I'm working through, but, um, because we all need saving because we all need That's saving. Right. Yeah. Uh, exactly. Because you, you need me to fix your problems. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what I'm capable of. No. Uh, so some things going down in our world, um, kind of, think so well a kind of an interesting little thing is so my my brother-in-law passed away in april um he got hit by a motorcycle and we went to his posthumous birthday party and that was a really kind of a, a funky little thing where um you're just thinking through the fact that oh yeah this person's not here but maybe they're here um this coming week I will be in Winslow, Arizona for the week. And I'm going to be um, teaching at the three elementary schools. One of the schools that I went to as a little kid. And I'm going to be like working with the teachers in Winslow, Arizona, um, showing them how to do interactive read alouds to get kids to talk about race, class, gender, identity, et cetera, using multicultural picture books um so that's pretty cool um <laughs> I, I know that's niche beyond niche but that's something that's that's happened in my world and um gosh uh, i can't i can't think of anything else that's overly like oh it needs to be be shared but um as soon as other people are talking about their lives I will interrupt and continue to insert, but for right now, I can't think of how, anything. How are your How are your students this semester, Paul? Oh my gosh, they're the coolest! Like, I know, <laughs> I know that teachers and professors like always feel about that. I'm sure Carrie feels that way about the people that she works with. But I just, I, I just feel like, um, like BYU students like in social media spaces kind of get a bad rap like uh BYU in general sometimes is kind of discussed as this uh, a certain way and then like the the way that I, I I I never feel like that with my students I feel like they're really really ready to rumble with big issues they're dying to be taken seriously and they just go down rabbit holes and I I have ever taught where I feel like people aren't like meeting me, but I haven't felt like that in a long time where they're, they're not meeting the the text halfway or they're, they're not meeting me halfway. And that's usually when I feel like I'm a, a really good professor. And then I, I need a semester where the students aren't as cool and be like, Oh, maybe I'm not as good of a professor as I thought it was, but I just had like consistent good batches of students and it was good to be shaken out of that complacency. But right now, they're crushing it. I just read a bunch of their essays where they had to do a deep dive on a one spread of a an illustrated text of their choosing. And they're just the smartest of the smart and the coolest of the cool. And it's it's a blast hanging out with them. <laughs> Love it. Hey, uh, Jessica and Carrie, going back to you guys, all you guys do is talk about horror movies and shows that you watch. What about your lives? 
What's here? Spill some tea. <laughs> I have a job interview on Friday for a middle school art teacher at a charter school in Houston where it's, uh, I looked at the demographics. It's like 90% Hispanic and 10% black. Um, and it seems like an underserved community. And so it's interesting that Paul brought that up because um, uh, inclusivity, uh, is a huge part and just, um, I don't know how to put it eloquently. Like they, they really seem to want someone that's very woke <laughs> and like, I do the best I can, but like coming from, you know, I taught at a tiny Christian private school where they still taught like that the pilgrims and Indians get together over Thanksgiving and like dress up in little outfits and we did not do that in my in my art class but it was definitely done and encouraged in the other classes not to like rag on my school but I felt like I had to keep my mouth shut for a lot of it so it's very interesting to go from something like that to this so I'm very nervous about being a nearly 40-year-old white lady <laughs> from Seattle. Well, the suburbs of Seattle. So that doesn't even count. Um, but yeah, so I'm nervous. I'm excited. I feel very confident in what I teach. But um, yeah, trying to reach kids. Yeah, that's what I too that's actually very heavily what I wrote in my um cover letter Anthony just uh loving people where they're at and um yeah so we'll see I'm nervous I'm very confident in teaching art I'm nervous about the other stuff um but yeah so oh and I uh, I don't know if I mentioned this last time I got into I was accepted to be a vendor at Artfest um, at the beginning of April. So I'll be selling some of my watercolor prints and um, ceramic work. So I'm very excited about that. That's, yeah, that's coming up in about a month. So also very nervous <laughs> about how that's gonna go. I do have an Etsy shop. I don't think I have anything posted on it, Anthony. Um, I used to, but um, then they wanted me to repost everything and update it because they were such old posts. So oh. it's on my to-do list. But yeah, I can put in the chat what my little shop is. Here is oh, you guys asking questions over <laughs> chat on a podcast. <laughs> I just love it's in the chat, but I want to highlight it because Anthony asked if we have an Etsy shop. And I love the collective. Do we? We all support you so much in your Etsy. Thank you. It's kind of like in Severance where uh, Adam Scott says, How's our baby? And the sister's like, Our, as in the community raise a child. <laughs> Everything really relates back to Severance, especially really right Defiant Jazz and Waffle Parties. Especially the Waffle Parties. <laughs> I, I've been feeling a little 
more unmasked as far as an ADHD person recently. So I, I, I don't know if my vibe's different to, tonight or not, but I'm feeling very free tonight with you guys is all <laughs> I can say. Tin hats really changed you, Anthony. I'm here for it. This yeah. is great. <laughs> Did everyone want to go around the circle and say what tattoos they would get if they got tattoos? I, I, I want that. I Paul partially inspired me because we went on a hike several months ago and we ran into an old friend of his who had recently been tattooed by his kid. Yes. And Paul was like, oh, maybe I'll call up your kid and get it. It was one of your former students, wasn't it? It was one of my former students' parents. Yeah, we were uh, Andy's the guy's name and sage is his daughter's name she's she's incredible so i figured you know pretty soon paul's gonna be tattooed by sage so i need to get i need to beat him to the punch love it oh gosh i would get the moon phases probably on the forearm straight line and i was into moon phases before it was cool to be into more moon phases (laughs) I have a coin purse that has the moon faces <laughs> all over it. <laughs> or maybe I was in the moon faces and then I started seeing them everywhere. I don't know. <laughs> oh, Jessica, I'm any updates on your life? Well, that would inspire my, my tattoo where I to get one, which I won't because I'm too noncommittal. But <laughs> didn't you want to get like a bow and arrow for a while there? We've had this talk yeah, before, but it's been a few years. Still the one I would get. This is it would be inspired by this book cover. Mm. But because of this part of the prophet by Khalil Gibran, mm. which I can't find a link to right now, but I'll link you guys to it later. Um as far as my life, I have a month left in this pregnancy. I'm deeply woo, woo. uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> I subsist solely on a diet of Tylenol and Tums, and things are going great. <laughs> oh, um, we finally found a house. It's the third house we put an offer on. We kept getting outbid, which I did not expect. And we're closing on March seventeenth. And I really want to move before the baby comes, but I don't know if we will. Um, it's going to be a big move. It's like thirty miles south of the city, so we're going to have to change everything. But it'll be better. Um, what else? Work is going fine. I'm just trying to get everything kind of tidied up before I go on leave. How long do you? Um, TBD. I'm hoping I get a lot of donations of shared leave, but it's not looking like I will. Last time I was able to be out like almost six months. Um, it'll probably be more like three this time, which is not what I would want, but it is what it is. Um, and other than that, I don't know, just sitting around playing a lot of computer games and watching a lot it's of It's not movie. like buying a house and having a baby are big things. So <laughs> <laughs> they are really big things. Oh, and I do have one more Apple TV recommendation for you before your thing is over chad Uh have you watched or heard of for all mankind yet for all mankind no it's like do you like sci-fi yeah it is like like, it because it's cold war stuff too 
Yeah, it is oh, like nice. one of the best sci-fi shows I've seen in the recent past. It's like an alternate history of the space race. So it starts with real history and then very quickly like one or two things are different and so it just kind of follows this alternate path and it goes through there's three seasons out I think and it's made like created by the guy who did Battlestar Galactica which I've never watched the reboot of Battlestar Galactica um but it's really 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 amazing especially the first season is like so good you'll laugh you'll cry you'll be shocked it's everything so <clears throat> that is my one last recommendation for your seven day free trial love it rachel won't let me pay the seven dollars a month to keep it just for one month <laughs> come on rachel maybe in the summer i am, when a, she's on I am a person who like spends all my time watching tv so i pay for everything because if i didn't i wouldn't have anything to do with my time so I think my brain is broken. <clears throat> Love it. That's all. That's what's going on. All right. Should we start the podcast? You didn't finish going through tattoos for everybody. Oh, yeah. Jump. Chime in. I don't know where we left off. Everybody except for you, me, and Jessica. <laughs> <laughs> I would get, uh, well, and I may get in my lifetime. I don't know. This is uh, the back and forth. I um, kind of want to get the the latitude and longitude of where I grew up, um, at a, like at a maybe crossroads part of my body, and I think that'd be kind of cool to have. Um, like you should get the, yeah, you should get the yeah. UTM Eastings and Northings that's, instead. That's of... what I was gonna say. What UTM zone is that? There are so many good coordinate systems you could use. Yeah, don't yeah. Do, don't do lat long decimal degrees. Don't be boring like that. Definitely don't oh, do sorry, WGS84. Sorry. Apparently, wrong, wrong, way. wrong group. Yeah, <laughs> I'm glad that I had a dry run here on this highly sought after podcast because if not, oh, oh man, we've got a lot of inputs on coordinate. Can systems you imagine the? The mappers who would be ticked off at me. So, um, all right. Um, so that was one idea. There's also um, a place that was my home away from home as a little kid. It was called Ruby Hill. And it's where I would like, it's called that because the ants would find these garnets and they would take them to their ant hills. And you could go like seasonally when it was too cold for the ants to come out, you could go pull out the garnets using like little tweezers and I would do that for hours. Oh, and it was, um, it's where I saw all kinds of craziness because it's where, uh, people who are transients, they just go live in the tamarisk bushes back there. And so my buddies and I, as five, six, 11 year old kids would go talk to people who lived in the bushes and they would let us sit down on their cardboard. And, um, it was, I think a very different reality than the one my kids are growing up with. But I, but I also look back on that as like Ruby Hill was a very, uh, <laughs> yes, they're minors. Um, these are, you guys are crushing it. And um, the only other one that I ever thought of doing was like something for a matrimonial bliss because I, I hate wedding. Like I hate the jewelry. And so this is like a rubber band essentially, but all the finger tattoos I've ever seen, 
like they fade and they look jacked up like right they after fade they and it's one of the most painful i mean it's really it only takes a few minutes but it like supposedly yeah kills, kills yeah kills. and so from my own innocence naivete about like thinking i wouldn't care about the pain uh that might be incorrect but it's it's also like that is one that i've consistently thought of going back to just because i i hate um wearing uh jewelry so those are they love it anybody else john um, I would never get a tattoo just because I'm non-committal. I don't trust myself enough to put something on my body and trust that I'll still like it in five or ten or twenty years. Um, so I, I really can I just say something about that real uh -huh. fast. It's a bridge <laughs> between like yourselves. It's it's choosing as your future self to love your current self. So even if Oh, I'm really bad at that. Yeah, I'm bad at that. Too. <laughs> Wrong person. Once I leave my current Wrong self audience. behind, she's in the past. I don't know her anymore. Yeah, boo, Anthony. Guys, I'll need to get in touch with your inner child. It sounds like. <laughs> yes. Um. Yeah. If I got a tattoo, the idea that I had a long time ago now and i haven't really changed it so maybe i should trust my taste better is um ferdinand the bull the children's book i love the illustrations from that and i very strongly identify with the bull who just wants to not be part of society and sit underneath the cork tree and smell the flowers um and i, I as far as tattoos go the ones that i like are usually ones with like detailed line work and black and white you know not a lot of color so that would translate well to my my taste in tattoos but i don't think it'll ever happen for me i don't want to kill your one tattoo idea Sean, oh yeah but... it's this is no this is the other thing i might know what you're about to say but i found out years after i had the idea that it was an elliot smith tattoo and so no, lots of like elliot a, smith it... fans have it and that's really? i like elliot smith but like getting a ferdinand the bull tattoo is like getting an elliot smith tattoo now so that's anyway one more thing on the pile you answer the question and then i'll tell you what i was gonna say elliot smith is a singer songwriter harry like harry does okay. harry doesn't listen to the podcast apparently because <laughs> <laughs> i picked elliot smith yeah that was anthony's choice for what holds up oh sorry oh yeah and paul we need to plan a what holds up episode where we can talk about music and rap yes i would love that okay wait jessica what were you gonna say uh one of lena dunham's most prominent tattoos is ferdinand the bull and i oh. I knew that at one point too yeah yeah you, you yeah you don't want that association either so but i didn't Do we not I like lena dunham nah i mean i came up with the idea independently <laughs> so i can have my imaginary tattoo and not have it be related to any of them and since exactly. it's imaginary nobody can ask me how much i like lena dunham oh really okay that's good news anthony lena dunham is just the kind of person who's a great great writer that's wonderful she comes across as the kind of person who thinks that she's like the patron saint saint of every marginalized group but simultaneously also apparently does nothing to like benefit those groups 
So there's just this huge disconnect between the way she actually acts and the way she presents herself. And she's just, we're off Lena Dunham, you guys. Okay. <laughs> I believe you. I don't have any opinions. <laughs> oh, and did we want to go through the birthday quiz? Wait, Carrie didn't go yet. Tattoos. I haven't done oh, birthday yet. quiz. Sorry, Carrie. Or Rachel. Carrie and Rachel you? both need to tell us. <laughs> so my tattoos is uh, I would love to get a Triforce. I've loved Legend of Zelda since I was little. Um, and I still play through all of them even now. And I'm very excited for the newest Legend of Zelda game coming out in May, May 12th, I think. My son and yep. I keep looking it up. We got a switch for Christmas, so Ooh. in order to get the new game. <laughs> Very cool. Uh, yeah, Breath of the Wild is one of those games where I wish I could replay it again for the first time. Um, and then the other one is uh, East of Eden is like my all-time favorite book. And I would love to get the word Tim Shell. Tim Shell. Um, like in typewritten script uh, as a tattoo too, because that just uh, was is very meaningful to me. And Lee is the best character of any book ever. So yeah. Anyway, those are my two tattoos that I really want. But Sean says I'm not allowed, so yell at him. <laughs> How dare you, Sean? <laughs> We give you permission, Carrie. Thank you, Jessica, not Sean. There's no way that Sean really says you're not allowed. And it, actually, he, he and it, and it actually and it actually means anything. That's the only so, way. No, yeah. he just he doesn't like tattoos. I, but I rule I'm, this family no. with an iron fist. <laughs> what I say yeah. goes. Yeah. This is the space of alpha males. Yeah. No, my my sister was attacked by um what were they Rottweilers a few months ago? And so she has a really gnarly scar on her arm. So she really wants to get a tattoo there. So we're at some point in the next couple of years, the plan is for us to go get tattoos together. So she Love would want to get a French bulldog. Cause that's the kind of dog that she has that she was protecting from the Rottweiler when she got attacked. And um, I don't have heroic scars to cover up, but they're still meaningful tattoos to me. So emotional scars, apparently. Yes. <laughs> <Like> two <laughs> anti-Sean tattoos. Oh, <laughs> stick it to the man. Ouch! Ouch! Just kidding, Sean. I love you. <laughs> You're great. You're not the oh, man. Oh boy. You're just my man. This is going to be great when this episode blows up and everybody sees my true colors. Oh, I thought you were going to say this will be great when the episode is over and so we can have a discussion. That's right. That too. It took a dark turn. Busted. All right. Well, I'm anyway, Rachel. Up... Oh, Rachel's Rachel, turn. sorry. Rachel's turn. Jeez, Chad. I'm sorry. <laughs> Um, I have thought many, many times about what tattoo I would get, and the answer is always none, because I can't commit, but also when I think about going and sitting for a long time, and then the permanence, and then the cost, and this is why I don't do my hair anymore, because 
it costs a lot and I have to sit there for a long time and I could be doing other things. <laughs> but I did see Anthony's just now and literally like thought, wow, I thought that it, there was a California poppy on there. And I was like, oh, my gosh, that might just be the thing that I would do as a California poppy. There's not a poppy, but you should get a California poppy. Cute little what orange was it, poppy. A lily? Yeah, the, the bottom, the very bottom flower is a seagull lily. You're not going to be, be able to see it. Love it. Okay, can we move on? Do we get permission <laughs> from the group? Yes. All right, I opened up my letterbox. I've only watched two movies since Where the Crawdad Sings. I watched Avatar, the 2009, with the kids. And then I watched uh, Glass Onion, A Knives Out Mystery. That's it. Oh, and then we started Temple of Doom, and the kids loved it. And it was so much more gory than I remembered. Even the start of uh, that Raiders movie of is the Lost disgusting. Ark. Yeah. Raiders of the Lost Ark has like people getting shot in the head with blood coming down their forehead. And like, it's nuts how violent these movies were. I'm watching them with my little kids. I'm like, oh no, sorry guys. Close your eyes, Paul. But like, shooting Nazis has less like emotional and visual. We didn't even get to the Nazi part. This was still in like the cave with the ball that rolls down. Spike. Pretty great. But we didn't finish them, so I couldn't list them. Oh, yeah. You see the uh, actor that plays uh, Dr. Octopus, like, get. Like, spiked. Yes. Yes. He gets spiked in the face in Raiders yep. of the Lost Ark at the beginning. So, yep. Sure does. Yeah. We, we went through that with our kids, too, especially Peter. I'm pretty sure we traumatized him with that part. So. <laughs> Yep. I get it. It'll make her make him stronger in the end. <laughs> I'll hold to that. Um and we're not gonna go through the birthday quiz. I could answer Sean's question. Actually, we will. Sean's the only one that answered, right? Yeah, or... I sent you all my answers in a private text so nobody else could copy off of me and you didn't even tell me how many I got right. Well, I'm going to that's what I was planning to do on the episode is to, <laughs> to give you the key and we're going to we're going to grade them. But first, I need to find it. So I sent you in, in a private text. How do you make this video? Oh, that you can just move it around. No, I think you sent it to to everybody in the group text and then I responded in just a private one to you. Oh, here it is. Oh, shoot. Henry says, text me, you should probably come in. What's Chad's birth year? 1984. How many albums did Weezer... They're doing blocking. Oh, crap. I gotta go. See you guys. I'll be back in a little oh. bit. <laughs> oh, no. Quiz at the end. Bye, Chad. Quiz at the end. We are like a rudderless ship all of a sudden. <laughs> oh, dear. I so love that rudderless ship now, like over an hour into the thing. That hasn't started. Like, oh no, now we're now for we're 84 hosed. years. There's no way we're gonna be able to pick it up now. It was going so smoothly. 
Well, Anthony, you can tell us more about this workshop and I don't know if you want to go into what your issues were with your workshop leader, but yeah, that that's fine. to my interest. <laughs> um, yeah, that's fine. This is like the, not me, but us not actually talking about the movies is the true subject of this <laughs> podcast, right? Um, uh, and that people, People don't know if they could figure that out. Maybe then they would start tuning in because because they would. I don't know. I, don't I, I think know. the podcast should be like 15 minutes long. And then the Patreon subscribers get the bonus three hours of non-movie related content. This is a beautiful idea, Sean. <laughs> I, I like the idea of us having a Patreon that people <laughs> subscribe to. And I think that it'll Chad... happen. Chad should have like some umbrella thing where it's called like Synecto Key Q Hall because it's all about like you know like the the concentric circles or whatever and like you never really get out of it and it, all of these overlapping spaces. That's that's my one contribution tonight. One contribution we heard about minor ants and Winslow hobos and all sorts of things. Um. Uh, Tin House was amazing. Um, it's easily the most, uh, queer friendly, trans friendly, um, racially diverse space I've ever existed in. Um, uh, it, so the really cool thing for me is when I was graduating from my master's program, um my thesis advisor was asking me about next steps and i didn't have good ones um and he recommended this is not quite a decade ago and he recommended i apply to the tin house workshop and i became a full-time parent and didn't know the way my brain was functioning and really struggled to write for a long time figured out some of the brain stuff figured out some of the kids stuff and once I started working on this novel in a real way I applied to Tin House and like a month and a half later the on the director of the online programs well they told me that they're scholarship winners that they call them so I was answering all sorts of phone calls from spam people in the meantime but then a Portland number called me one day and it was yeah, the director of the program and they said hey we want to call and let you know that we awarded you a scholarship and they said all sorts of nice things about my writing and um, and then i went um and like i said I, I mean most of all just the camaraderie was um, incredible um in the way that people celebrate each other and cheer each other on and to at the I mean, the faculty readings were amazing. Um, I was so glad for all the other faculty that were there. Um, uh, but the participant readings were really, really amazing. And to hear these people reading these incredible, incredible works and and to know that like I belonged with that group just was like... Um, an amazing feeling we went to i we went i got on this computer like i did right now and 
went to the editors panel um, and the editors were sort of talking about their process and had a lot of helpful career advice. And someone asked a question, something like, uh, what are your green flags when you're reading a writer's work for the first time? And they said that basically sentences were that they, if they could trust a writer to like know what they were doing as far as the actual writing of it, because the ideas, as long as they're not like offensive ideas, the ideas and the structure and a lot of the other things, they feel like they can help with it. But the writing is where they really want someone to be good. And later that day, um, it was like my turn for my workshop to talk about my stuff. And like people were like, even though our workshop, because of our workshop leader really tended more negative than it was supposed to, people were really, really kind. Um, and like, no one even said anything for a second. And my workshop leader was like, I guess they all thought it was shit, Anthony. <laughs> oh. <laughs> she was just making a joke, but, um, uh, but they were, yeah, they're just really kind saying you have the most beautiful poetic sentences. And they, then they referenced that editor's panel and they were like, you have the green flag for what the editors are looking for our guy. And, um, yeah, but w whether it was with the other scholars, uh, cause we had like, we were kind of watching out for each other, even though the scholars haven't been announced yet or, I was in a parent affinity group and like talking with the other parent writers or I was in another affinity group with people whose work tends to be more experimental. Um, though those, and we have a couple of like, I have a WhatsApp chat going for both that parent group and the experimental writers group and just the way that we've supported each other and stuff has been, um, and cheered each other on has been amazing i mean then i read when it was my turn to read in the participant readings uh people were really really cool about it i i just wanted to go for it um but i was something that i turned in for the workshop and i wanted to show like the most extreme version of my writing um and so it was it was a thousand it was a thousand word sentence that i had written um and uh I read that at the that thousand word sentence of the reading and um, it went, it was really fun. It, and that went really well too. So I want to, uh, if I can ask, because I, my son has ADHD. I'm pretty sure I have some form of it. Sean talks about it a lot because there's yes, a lot of unfinished. <laughs> projects around the house and I can't complete sentences most of the time which I'm sure you guys have noticed like uh how do you handle that and treat that and you know go about navigating life with ADHD and I mean it's really hard right I mean more because of like the way the world is set up than that anything's wrong with you um or me or, or Rachel. Um, uh, <laughs> um, but um, yeah, I mean, it was really, really hard. It still is really, really hard. 
uh, and especially going so long undiagnosed, you build up all of these narratives about like, I can't do things. Like I don't finish projects. I must be really lazy. I must, you know, there must be something wrong with me. Um, and that's really, I mean, if you've been practicing telling yourself those things, or if other people have been telling you th those things for decades, it's really hard to undo that idea. Um, so therapy has been incredibly important. Um, and like, I'd be, I don't want to go like too much into my journey on that right now, but like, I'd, I'd be happy for us even just to talk of some time about that. Um, and, and then once I got a diagnosis, um, which can sometimes be a hard thing if you see like the wrong doctor, like they might have like a outdated view of what ADHD looks like. Um, cause I, I didn't present in the way that people thought uh, someone with ADHD was supposed to present and, um, but was eventually able to get a diagnosis lucked into the therapist that really changed my life and then she referred me to the doctor that and actually I dropped him for a different person at the same clinic but uh, she referred me to the doctor that uh, prescribes my medication and um, it, if someone has ADHD like the first time you take ADHD medication it doesn't, it does, there's a bit of a honeymoon or whatever, but the first time you take ADHD medication, you're like, oh, and you like look at your neurotypical spouse and you're like, your brain's like this all the time. <laughs> you can just say you want to do something and you do something like, um, and it's a really weird feeling. Um, uh, so, yeah, I mean, medication and therapy have, and my my current therapist has recommended, I don't know if I'm going to or not, like maybe a coach. <clears throat> but also, too, if you have that self-knowledge, then you start keying into things. Like you hear like an Instagram reel here, a TikTok video there about something that you think might work for you. And you say, oh, I'm going to try that. And it does help a little bit and just build up more and more strategies over time. But yeah, it's, it's hard. It's hard to like not be able to keep a clean house or finish things. I mean, like me, like writing has been important to me since I was 17 years old and I haven't been able to do it. And and like for, to have something be that important to you and not be able to do it is is like a really um yeah it can be a really bad feeling and and like not that all creative people are neurodivergent but the fact that you're like an art teacher or like the fact that Rachel is um such an amazing quilter uh, like like those things are not 
diagnostic criteria in themselves, but they are like an additional little something that also makes me go down that path thinking that way too. Well, thanks for sharing that, Anthony. I feel like Chad should chime in and say thank you. <laughs> Move on to the next subject. <laughs> I've been talking a lot, guys. So no, I appreciate it. Well, I guess I have a question too, though. Sorry. Okay. Is it like you can't um, start something because you don't think you'll have the time to work on it? Because I'm always like that. Like, I'm not going to, I might have three hours. But that's not enough time because I have to get focused on something. And then if Chad's talking to me, I literally won't hear him at all because I'll be focused on that thing. <laughs> like, that's, so I, I don't finish the quilts because unless I have like a whole day, I don't even want to get started because I won't be able to sit with it. Anyway. Yeah, I mean, there's lots of ways, right, that um, when before I knew it was ADHD, I gave like all these other, like tried to come up with all these other explanations. That uh, when, when you realize like, for me at least, a lot of that stuff is, I realize now it's after the fact for like something that was, happening already neurochemically like um, which doesn't mean those things aren't true also but um, uh, yeah I mean that if I don't feel like I have the correct amount of time or the right circumstance or the right mood or if there's something else that I'm stressed about um, you know there, there could be all sorts of reasons um, and but then, yeah, I, I mean, if for sure that happens too, right. Where you get hyper-focused on a, on a thing because it, it's not so much that there's like a deficit of attention. It's that your attention is dysregulated. Like it it doesn't know what to pay attention to most of the time. So it's paying attention to everything. And then there are times when it really zooms in on something um, and it, it struggles to like get out of that. Like if, I mean, everybody experiences this to greater and lesser extents, but if I'm like in the middle of like a thought and I was like almost completing something like I was three quarters the way through a text and Jana like tries to get my attention. I'm like, Oh no. Like what? Like, 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 like um, you know, what was I saying? Just like, just let there be no sound in the universe just for like 15 more seconds so that I can finish this thing. Um, yeah. But the other thing is everybody's experience isn't going to be identical. Uh, we're all socialized in different ways, um, especially girls and women are usually socialized differently than men are. Um, and there's just like a higher expectation of responsibility in girls a lot of time. 
And so that's a lot of the reason why it goes undiagnosed in girls and women for so long is because they just learned how to be anxious so that they could get stuff done um, because it was like expected of them. Um, not saying that's like true in every case, uh, but I was hearing from a lot of women about their experience with their ADHD that helped me get my diagnosis because I was a very, very anxious person. Because if you struggle remembering things, well, if you can just stay anxious about it, you won't ever forget. Like It's just going to stay in your head all the time. Um, and that that's, you know, that's a maladaptive, uh, what's the word? You know, it's just a, a bad adaptation. Um, but it's a survival mechanism, right? Like I get not quite a third, but it feels like a third of my junior high classes because I was just completely overwhelmed all the time. And I thought that meant that I was like a liar and a bad student. What's, well, I didn't know what was going on. Like it was like my brain and body's way of dealing with this completely overwhelming experience. Um, we missed having you on here, Anthony. It's for real, man. <laughs> I don't know if we're as rudderless as I thought. Or as well, as I thought. We just have to change like the the topic of the episode to like <sighs> Anthony talks about ADHD. No, we're now it. a mental health podcast. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> but but is it is it inappropriate? Because I am also super interested, Sean, in like this movie that you chose. And does anybody want to talk about it? Because it's okay if we don't. But I, I don't want to like feel like <laughs> like Sean's yeah, top three movie of all time never got talked about because I I want to talk about it. Sean, do you have the trailer? Oh, I don't. Do you wanna is this is this being recorded if Chad's not on who's like it, yeah, it still says recording. Yeah. I, yeah, I hosted it. So it is still being recorded, unfortunately, fortunately. Um, I don't know how to use Zoom. I don't even know how to share I'll, my screen. Can, can you way. can you pull it up and I'll tell why yeah. I chose it um, yeah. while you're pulling it up? So I chose it because it's one of my favorite movies, but I guess I'll tell the story of how I was first exposed to it. Um, so when, after I'd been home from my mission for a little while, Carrie and I were dating, maybe we were engaged and we would often hang out with my older brother and his wife they lived in Provo too. And um, for whatever reason, he said, you know, hey, I got this movie from the library, you should watch it. And I think that was the only time that that's ever happened. And so he brought over Harold and Maude. And I'm pretty sure Carrie and I watched it together. And at first I was like, what is this? Like, I had no idea anything about the movie before I started watching it. And I just loved it. So it kind of just fell into my life accidentally and um yeah i i've watched it probably five or six times since then shared it with a bunch of other people and it's always a little bit nerve-wracking to share it with someone because it's a little bit much sometimes and you gotta wonder if it's um i don't know if it's to everybody's taste 
But um, the other thing, so Hal Ashby, the director, I've kind of become really interested in him. And at first it was because just looking at like his Wikipedia page, um, he was born in Ogden, which is where my parents are both from and my grandparents. So he's like in between my grandparents and parents' generation. He lived in Portland for a little while and then he moved to California. So he's like lived all these places that I've lived. And so it's like, oh, there's this like person who's from the same places as me and he's created this thing that I love and looking more into it, like he couldn't be a more different person than I am, but I'm still like really fascinated with him as a, as a, a human. Um, and I've watched a lot of his movies. Harold and Maude is still like the one, like the, by far his best movie, I think. But um, yeah, I'm, I've spent, I've spent a lot of time this past month watching some of his other movies. So anyway, that's kind of the, the preamble. Jessica, do you have the trailer? Okay, let me go know if you guys can't hear this once it starts playing. Well, if you want to sing out, sing out. And if you want to be free, be free. Because there's a million things to be, you know that there are. And if you want to live high, live high. And if you want to live low, live low Cause there's a million ways to go You know that there are You can do what you want The opportunities are And if you find a new way You can do it today You can make it all true and you can make it undo, you see. Ah, it's easy. Ah, you only need to know. Well, if you want to say yes, say yes. And if you want to say no, say no. Because there's a million ways to go. You know that there are. want to be me, be me, and if you want to be you, be you, cause there's a million things to do, you know that there are, you can do what you want, the opportunity's on, and if you find a new way, you can do it today. You can make it all true And you can make it undo You see Ah, it's easy Ah, you only need to know Well, if you want to sing out, sing out And if you want to be free, be free Cause there's a million things to be you know that there are, you know that there are, you know that there are, you know that there are. Thank you, it told us.
that is the best kind of trailer ever where you see everything and know nothing you know oh my gosh that's beautiful boiler alert on the song too yeah <laughs> i love that part too yeah i don't know if um that's like i i don't know if there was an actual trailer for this movie or if that was like an after the fact thing like one of the little pieces of trivia and i'll post a little link in the chat is like they didn't know how to market this movie because it's about a young man falling in love with an old woman and so like the original marketing poster was just all text it just says harold and maude and lists the actor's name like there's no context for what this movie is so it kind of flopped because it didn't have that marketing push and has gained like a cult following since then um trying to find so, if that's the original trailer or not tcm says that it is the original like advanced trailer for is it the movie and i really can't find much else about it right now i liked it <laughs> so now you have to give us a short synopsis oh yeah the, of the, the film. plot summary so um Harold is a young man who is very um, lives with his very wealthy mother in a very big house, seems to kind of have everything, but he's just very glum and kind of disconnected from life. Uh, the only pleasure that he really seems to get from anything is from staging fake suicide attempts for his mother. Um, and she's at the start of the movie. That's like the opening scene is him. Um, you know, we don't know as the watchers that it's not real, but um, committing suicide and his mother just kind of brushes it off like she's so tired of the whole charade. The other thing that he does um, for enjoyment is go to funerals. He has like this morbid fixation on death. Um, and at these funerals, he sees Maude a couple times, who is a, an old woman about to turn 80. And um, basically she is aggressively living life to the fullest and they become fast friends and um, just build this, this relationship together where they're um, able to share things with each other and sort of pull him out of that slump. Um, one of the things that I thought of well, before I watched the movie, but while I was thinking about it a lot this time, um, was I hadn't made this connection before and I thought that it was going to be an original idea but that she's totally like a manic pixie dream girl she fits that trope um, and then I looked it up and somebody else called her a manic pixie dream grandma which I love um, so yeah she um, I think it it kind of transcends the stereotype a little bit especially because it's like the movie was made like 30 years before it was even a named trope you know um, but Anyway, um, I don't know what else to talk about because I think that a lot of the scenes will come up as people talk about what they like. But it's it's dark comedy. It's really funny. Um, and I guess I'll, I'll spoil the movie. At the end of the movie, Maude ends up committing suicide on her 80th birthday. Um, she's Her fixation on death was kind of more about her own um, exit from life and her choice to you know, leave at 80. 
and Harold has to kind of make this this decision if he's going to continue to to live life to the fullest like he's learned how to and at the end ultimately we you know get the idea that that that's the choice that he's making so um the reasons i love this movie is um i just think i think it's hilarious um now that we're a, a mental health podcast like my mental health struggles have always been depression and this very much like aligns with the way that my worldview kind of works is like everything's terrible but you find these little pleasures and if you focus on the small pleasures then you can like actually squeeze some joy out of life um so i yeah it just it it's very comfortable for me to sit and watch this movie um and the other thing like the thing i really love about it and this this is the thing that i have noticed in all of Hal Ashby's movies that I've watched, even though I don't enjoy the other ones as much, is he really gives a lot of room for the actors to do what they want. There's lots of like moments where the camera just like hangs out and watches the actor do what that character is going to be doing in the moment after, you know, his his prospective date gets scared off by a fake suicide attempt. And, um, you know, they just watch Harold and his mom for... 20 seconds and he makes eye contact with the camera and somehow it's just hilarious like I don't know it seems like yeah all of these Hal Ashby movies he just like creates this space for the actors to do what they want to do and um it's really enjoyable to watch is is there one you would recommend uh a person watch next if if they could only have one so he has he has seven movies that he made in the 70s that are like all pretty highly acclaimed. And then he kind of had a lot of struggles with the studios and his movies from the 80s are pretty widely regarded as not being very good. Um, I think his his most successful ones were Shampoo, which I get why it was um, like a big hit, but I didn't like it very much it's kind of like a sex comedy and it's pretty crass and it just didn't really land with me as much but it was it's really well made the other one that was really successful was um coming home and that one i liked a lot more it's about um like vietnam vets and specifically about like the people that that um you know people who went to fight at vietnam who they left behind and then um you know their recovery basically after they get home from the war so it's not I don't think any of it, yeah, none of it takes place in Vietnam, but it's very much about the Vietnam War. And that one, that one was really good. Um, so if I had to recommend it, it would be that. The, the one of his movies from the 70s that's supposed to be good that I haven't watched yet is Being There. But that one um, is supposed to be really good. So that's on the list. So would you say Coming Home is your second favorite? Yeah, yeah, I think so. So, yeah, I, the only like other main thought, I feel like I've seen this a lot and I have a lot of thoughts about it. So I kind of just want to hear what other people have to say. But the other thing that really struck me on this viewing, and I already told Carrie this, is that like, when I first watched this movie, I was probably close to 23, which is how old Bud Court was when this movie was made. And his mother, Vivian Pickles, was 
40 when this movie was shot and I'm 38 now. So it's really weird to be watching it and to be like almost the same age as, as his mom. Um, so that's all. Like, like I didn't rewatch it this time, you know, I'll, I'll share more about my first viewing experience in a second, but um, like when we were watching the trailer, I was like, well, Maude's not that old. Like, like, but when I was like nine years old, when I watched this, I was like, I was, yeah, it was an experience, but like watching the trailers, I was like, oh, like just, I mean, he's young looking for, for an adult, like, and she's old for an adult or whatever. Like they're just a couple of adults. It's definitely a lot less shocking than it was the first time I saw it. But Anthony, why don't you just keep going? It's your turn to talk about the movie. Yeah, because I have not shared enough. Um, I was at, I don't know if I was 9, 10, 11. I was at a sleepover at Benjamin Woolley's house. And his mom, Debbie, who is like my second mom. I don't, I don't know who else was there. I can't believe I haven't asked her about this. But she, because she and I like talk all the time. She came in and was like, I want you guys to watch this movie. I I like it's so obvious, like she like it like there was for her, like there was like a joke to it. But like um to like show this movie to a bunch of preteen boys. Uh but she's like, I want to show you guys this movie. <laughs> and then like we watched the entire thing. Uh, and there were interesting things, right? Like we were like trying to figure out how, um, how they staged um, all of his fake suicides. Um, we, I remember just being shocked and disturbed as like this little kid. I, I'm glad we're talking about it because I'm. I actually have a lunch date with with uh, Ben. Um, I'm bringing it up with Ben and then I'm going to either text or call or visit Debbie and ask her I need what you was to report the... back about that because there's something like a tiny bit weird to me about like an older woman like you said making a bunch of young boys watch this movie that's but true um, keep them th that thought to myself um, Debbie great example of apo and I, I don't know how to say the word APH I don't even know how to spell it. Apophasis, apophasis, which is when you say that you're not going to say something and then you say it. Um, uh, uh, but no, I love Debbie a lot. She really is my second mom and someone that I still call mom when I see her. She's a elementary school principal, a really great person, but it's, yeah, it's really funny. And so, so weird that she... I, I assume she had watched it. I, I don't even know, though. She just gave it to us, and we did. I, I remember the things that stood out were the fake Harry Carey. Um, and when he... What type of car does he get? Like, his mom gives him a sports car. Yeah, he Jaguar. so he buys a, a, a hearse yeah. from, like, a used car lot, and he's driving that around for half the movie, and his mom right. hates it. So she gets rid of the hearse and gets him yeah, a little so Jaguar, it, and he so converts he modifies it to a little the... sporty hearse. Yeah. <laughs> right. 
when he modifies the Jaguar, I remember that. Um, and then just being weirded out by the romance. I think those are the only things that I um, remember. Who's going to go next? I will go next. Yes, I have some thoughts. Paul. So um, the last time that I saw this, I think my we've been married for like a year. And for those who don't know my wife, we might be similar in lots of ways, but like probably not like outwardly, like not the, yeah, like it's a lot of yin and yang kind of thing going on. So <sighs> I had seen the movie before, but like, I, I was just like, you know what? Like we, we need to try to incorporate like what's important to the other person. So you know, she would show me a movie from her whatever time in her life that she thought was cool. And I was like, yeah. And, I, and it it's the same as like when I showed my father-in-law some funky, crazy band thinking that the 60-year-old dude was going to love it. It like when I showed this to my wife, it just did not land super well. But that was fine. It was a good conversation afterwards. But um, the things that I thought this time around, I thought like maybe it's been talked about in Reddit forums or whatever, but like the pre Wes Anderson aesthetic and like how much that dude, maybe he's paying homage. I don't know, but it, cause I was thinking this movie and the graduate, like if you, if you made, if you made a baby out of these two, like it would be Wes Anderson's uh, sentimentality and his aesthetic, even like just the long pans and the, the the long anyways i was just like oh i and even the use of music right like we talked about um elliot smith and needle in the hay and in, in certain times and just the way that the music messes with you um some of my favorite scenes this time around that i had forgotten because i think when i was younger and watched it it was the stage suicides that scared me and then the romance that i found off-putting but i also was like should i find this off-putting or have it been socialized into thinking that you know um, anyways, but I thought it was so funny this time around when they were coming out of the church and there was just a marching band cruising down the street. Like I laughed so hard and I was like, oh, that's, that's great. Like I loved that part. Um, that was probably one of my favorite parts. And then I also wondered, um, if fight club was kind of tipping a hat to this relationship too, where you have the two people who feel like they're outside of society, but they kind of do the same things and what they hate about each other is what they actually love about each other. And um, I don't know, like fight club could be the fever dream of this movie, which is a hard thing to say because this one already seems so intense. Um, I'm trying to think if there were, a, I, I, when I saw it, did that Jason wasn't going to make it, like when I watched this movie um, yesterday and today, I actually wrote down all these notes. Like I just got a little like notepad and wrote down all notes. And I left them all at my office. So I'm super bummed because I tried to write them in like my best Jason voice or whatever. And I was really excited to present and then uh, I left them at my office. So it was, it, it didn't work as well as I'd hoped. But um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else that I just, oh, I guess I noticed like how how pale he was 
at the beginning of the film and then like Maud brings color to his world I thought that was kind of beautifully done um where maybe by the end he's he's wearing makeup but he doesn't care that he's wearing makeup because who cares um but I think the one scene and I don't know if anybody else will care about this but so you see that she has the tattoos uh here recycling back to you Anthony you see that she has the tattoo from being a, a holocaust survivor ostensibly right and something that has been completely lost on me in all of my other viewings of this was the little almost like silent scene where they're watching um, miniature trains. And like this time I was like, oh, they don't, uh, you don't know what they say, but I was like, is this her remembering going to Auschwitz and him just kind of seeing miniature trains and her not being able to share something with him except there's still a shared moment. She has gone to some sort of concentration camp. He has had this upper class, just coddled life. And even so, the two of them are still looking at miniature trains together. And what that reminds them of, it might be every Christmas he'd ever had since birth. And it might be for her watching her whole family go towards smokestacks. And yet together, they were both watching these little miniature trains. They were both connecting at that moment. And I was like, yeah, this movie's enough for me. I mean, like Malcolm Gladwell talks about like the best parodies make you laugh first, cry second and think for the for rest of forever. And so any divisive text, like I'm all about it. But I think it was the silly little train station um, scene that just grabbed me by my throat this time. And I, um, that's actually what I want to rewatch in the future, I guess. I hadn't made that connection before, but I guess the other piece of that is that like she lives in a train car, yeah. which I always thought was just like this whimsical little thing. But like, yeah, you can make a connection to it, like being her finding some way to grapple with her past and find, you know, beauty in the things that have been kind of horrific, which is kind of her whole shtick. Right. And like, like as a, as a early 20 year old, I was just looking at the haha that like sculpture kind of looks like a vagina and here this guy is like putting his hand in and trying to figure it out like that's where I was or the train car looks like the spaghetti factory but what is it to me outside of that but then this time around I guess there was enough schema and I was just like oh and I love that they didn't cut back to being whipped or shaved down or running around naked it was like I have to make all of those connections. And um, maybe it was studios saying we're not showing that, but I think it was more a director who was like, I just respect my audience enough to, to not tell them like it, nothing on the nose here. Like, like they're, they get to make, make of it what they will. So I love that. Well, and it like um, makes you think, was it, I don't remember if it was Theodore Adorno who said like might have been a different thinker that came out of that time, but he said something about the impossibility of writing poetry after Auschwitz. Um, and there, there have been a lot of different um, artistic approaches um, and a lot of like academic writing about those different approaches to engaging the Holocaust. 
but a lot of them the most interesting and most artistic attempts are these that don't um don't actually say very much about it um that uh because whatever they would say about it would fall short and so they're they're these ones that um instead sort of make the the audience or the reader say some say something about it in their own head because yeah they, there's well that's that's how it was there's for this me train where all the like schindler's list was a certain thing to me at a certain age but like uh the off-screen auschwitz is all all like way more powerful to me than the on-screen auschwitz right um and and so I saw that whole movie, I believe, in my head and my heart, even though you're also just watching these people dance. And they're dancing, but they're dancing through graveyards, and they're thinking about the absurdity of war. And they've got the uncle who has the funniest, but also, like, craziest, like, shirt that keeps, oh, my gosh, like, when he salutes, like, and then who they have in the background, right? Where you've got President Nixon on this side and then Freud over here and then one of the popes, but you don't even know which pope it is. And like that that uh, triad, right? Like that that three zoom and where the, the one priest is just tripping out because he's never been allowed sexual experiences and he's pretending that he finds it repulsive, but you can tell that it's like a kink he'd like to kind of work out in his own sexual Oh my gosh, I, I'm sure there are essays upon essays upon essays written about that too, but um, I feel like I mostly just gush over all of the movies that you guys share, and this is no exception to that, but I I was eating it up. It was great. I strongly hold the opinion that um, the more generous a reading someone gives to a text, um, I don't know what the end of that sentence is, but just basically generosity is one of our best available interpretive tools when we're watching a movie or reading a text. And so gushing is like, if a film is going to say something, granting it that it has something to say is the way that we're going to access that. If we just say, oh, like that part wasn't realistic. That really took me out. Okay. I'm, I wasn't into this. Then we're not going to get much out of the experience right and that's that. basically what we did last month with <laughs> so maybe it's we can all revisit that a, in a future I episode have done too. yeah <laughs> oh and plus tom scared is in this movie for 90 seconds and he just crushes it the the dad from uh river runs through it except he and he's got the same dang mustache and you're just like yeah so good I didn't make that connection that that's who that was. He's so I just learned this yesterday, but he's credited as M. Borman instead of as Tom Skerritt. And I guess M. Borman was like a Nazi officer who was never found. And he had this joke that he would tell that, you know, this missing Nazi was actually a motorcycle cop in California because they're just like the worst people on earth. So he, oh, that was the credit that he used for this That's movie. That's great. I was going to report that, Sean. I had even like, because <laughs> oh, no. oh, like I, I noticed Tom Scare too, and then I didn't see him in the ending credits. And so I went down like this. 
rabbit hole on Google of why is Tom Skerritt not credited and the movie and yeah, Reddit basically repeated what Sean just said that he's some mm. Nazi. So interesting. <laughs> well, should I go next? Yeah. Yeah, go. All right. Well, I, my mom was the one to show me this movie first. I, maybe 14, 15, 16, around there. I don't remember the exact age. And I remember loving it, except for, um, yeah, them falling in love. I remember at the time thinking that Sunshine was a better match <laughs> for him just because he showed a modicum of interest when. She uh, went and Julietted herself, and he you see him like kind of scooch his face over to the other side to watch her do it. Um, yeah, upon rewatching it several times after that, um, like in high school and with Sean and over the years. Um, yeah, it's it's interesting how my attitude towards it has changed. Um, you know, I loved how he like she would bring out just the life and love of life in him and everything so I like the love story part of it resonated with me more um as I got older but like this time around it really bothered me how much she would steal cars and like just being a mom with a car that I rely on that car for everything for all of my children's especially Peter's doctor's appointments, you know, three to four times a week. It's like, I don't need someone to take my car for me to appreciate it. Like, just leave me alone. But, um, yeah, it, um, you know, and also being the mother of a son, you know, he's 10, he's not, you know, in his early 20s, but how it was kind of revealed halfway through the movie when he talks to Maude about why he kills himself and how it relates back to when he was younger. And she thought that he had, you know, essentially um, accidentally burned himself to death um, at the school and her reaction to it and how he just seems to want to repeat that over and over and over and try to be just seen by his mother you know like when she's answering that survey for the dating service and like he doesn't give a single answer and a lot of the answers she gives are not even ostensibly about him but definitely about herself and how he's invisible to her and even when he commits suicide it's a momentary nuisance and nothing more um you know that part as a mom resonated like do I see my children for who they are and not just um you know a marker of my success or station in life or you know whatever he is to her um and another part that really touched me this time that I don't remember noticing, like I had always noticed before, especially after my first viewing, how Maud drops these little hints that she's not going to make it past her 80th birthday and how you don't really, you know, it doesn't sink in what she means by that until 
she says, I've taken the pills. I'm not going to make it past midnight or whatever. Um, but, you know, she had talked about her first love and how he was well, a doctor and a government worker. And, you know, it's framed as like before and how there was a before and how there's a now and like, you know, she's in tears and Harold's in tears and then they kind of shake it off and move on. But like, you know, it makes you wonder like, what did he do as a doctor and a government official? Like what side was he on? Was he one of the good ones? When he, was he one of the baddies as uh, Mitchell and Webb call it? But um, yeah, it just, you know, you see all of these. Yep, exactly. Anthony. Um, you see all these glimpses of who she was and, you know, it seems so much like now she embraces life and chooses to see the good in life and um but at the same time like is she hiding behind that attitude um you know is that truly how she feels or is she just trying to like shove it down there to keep in the past um you know like just the fact that she decided to um and on her 80th birthday, because 85 seems, what did she say, like over the hill or something like that's, that's not a reason to kill yourself at 80. Like she was in very good health. She was very active. She was, you know, all there um, intelligence wise, like it just, I don't know. There's, but anyway, I just, I love Harold so much. I love how you know, he does like that smelly thing and you hear him giggle with the mask on. Like there's just cute little touches like that where you see like he's a really special, sweet, deeply decent person. And like, I'm glad that he found Ma to get that out of him. Um, you know, but at the same time, like I don't like the idea of someone's whole purpose of being is to be a foil for someone else, if that makes sense. Um, but yeah, I think it's a, a beautiful movie. I like Cat. I love Cat Stevens. Um, I have some of his final records. Um, but yeah, it just has a lot of beautiful sentiments in it. Um, oh, and one other thing too is I forgot when one of the horror movies I had watched was Uncle Sam. Totally cheesy, corny 80s, no, early 90s movie about this abusive soldier that like comes back from Desert Storm. Well, he is murdered by friendly fire at Desert Storm, comes back and people are being disrespectful to the flag like over his grave. And so he comes back and like goes on a whole massacre thing. But um, like it was surprisingly deep in it that like the anti-war sentiments in it and how like world war one and two were like obviously righteous wars for america but then you go into like vietnam and desert storm and stuff and it's a lot more complicated and it's not as cut as dry cut and dry and even at like the end of the movie you should look it up but like the actor that plays uncle sam 
the bad guy zombie monster guy like he wrote a poem about war and he recites it over the ending credits and it's really beautiful and it's really poignant and it's just um March 29 to April 29 2023 Chad hey everybody <laughs> but um anyway so yeah it's just you know, they even like his uncle in Harold and Maude, where he you can tell that he's not all for like whatever war was happening at then. And why can't it be like the good old days of, you know, obviously righteous words and stuff like that. But anyway, that's all I have to say about that. There's a lot of really beautiful moments and um yeah, just like the daisy scenes and then like seeing the thousands and thousands of tombstones is just a crushing, tragic scene, I think, in this movie. But yeah. Okay, I had I didn't want to interrupt you, but I had two things that I was reminded of while you were talking. One was like how she drops these hints that she's planning on committing suicide on her 80th birthday. It reminded me a lot of um 500 days of summer and kind of subverts what you expect in the manic pixie dream girl trope where she is just this character that like her purpose in the movie is to make the you know male protagonist come out of a slump and you know embrace life and I think that you know both in this movie and 500 days of summer like up front, they're telling you, that's not who I am. I have these other plans. I'm my own person. I have this past. I have, you know, my own plans for my future. And whether or not, you know, you're a part of that is kind of irrelevant. So I I, I like that. Um, and I, I like that they give her enough history, even though, and, and enough, like, I guess enough unique um, characteristics that she is more of her individual character than just a means to, um, you know, get, um, get Harold, you know, to a different place emotionally. And I think it works so much better since she's 80 because she can say these things that are really corny and have like this whole life that she's experienced. She can say, Oh, that's wonderful. Go and love some more. Like if Zoe Deschanel said that in a movie, I would roll my eyes so hard, but like she, she kind of goes beyond that. So I liked that. And then the other thing that I, I forgot to mention earlier, but um, Hal Ashby, so he didn't write this movie, but um, so so it's only, you know, kind of tangentially related to the story, I guess. But his his dad committed suicide when he was a, a 12 year old boy. So like he's producing this piece of art as someone who has been like hugely impacted by by suicide so I don't really know like how to connect those dots or what what that all means but um I just think it it adds a lot more weight to it to you know both his his ability to show suicide as like this comical thing even though it's had such a deep impact on his life and almost a um like noble way to exit life for Maude at the end of the movie I don't know it's just a very um I would expect someone who has been so deeply impacted by suicide to just see it as this like monolithic horror that's just totally bad. But it, it this movie has a much more nuanced 
perspective on it. So I thought that was really interesting. So. Oh, not to, well, to change the subject, but I'm turning 40 this year. So I'm going to be the same age <laughs> as the mother. So the mother was 40. She was 40 years old, or at least the, the, actress, the actress was. Oh, the actress yeah. was? Oh, and the, and uh, what's his face was 23, right? Yeah. He looks like he was like 15. Harold. Mm -hmm. I say, what's his face? It's Harold. Of course it is. <laughs> Yeah, he looked 15. And then that one scene where he was like shirtless and you could see he had chest hair was really weird. And you can tell he was slightly like unshaven in that move in that scene too, where you didn't notice him having facial hair like before or after, but like, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Did everyone still on? Uh Anthony just left. Anthony had to bounce, yeah. Um uh... And we Missed haven't it. heard from well, Jessica did everyone go or Rachel through? or you. Are Not you yet. kidding me? <laughs> Man, you guys. Well, we spent like an hour time? listening to Anthony talk. So just let us do us, okay? I'm letting you. That's fine. So Anthony <laughs> went first. And he's like, I've said my piece. Peace out. Well, <laughs> we, we encouraged him to talk about non-movie things, so you'll find out when you listen. Oh, fun. So where did you start talking about the movie? About, what, 15, 20 minutes ago? <laughs> <laughs> okay. No wait, judges, wait. Chad. I'm not judging. It's funny. Like, I thought I was gone for a really long time. <laughs> we blocked a scene that we we're in for 30 seconds. Twice. <laughs> Less than that, right, Henry? Probably 15 seconds yeah. total. They're going to have to get us soldier costumes and we're going to march on and arrest all the gypsies and then we're off. <laughs> <laughs> all right, who's up next? I think I'll go so that Rachel and you can follow me because I don't have a lot to say and it's not going to be very positive. So I'm sorry. Well, Rachel I don't, didn't even I watch don't, the movie. I don't, oh, okay. <laughs> She, well, did, you. she went to she I, I turned it on she went straight to sleep and then i stopped halfway through and then i finished it on my own <laughs> good job rachel i'm proud of you i just don't want this to end on a bad new note because i have been dreading telling sean my friend of 20 years that i don't like his favorite movie um, oh I'll, i'm positive so i can end it good I, I forgive back. you. I came to Thank grips you. with it before I decided to um choose this movie that I'm totally yeah. okay if, if people don't like it. I like and I like I said, I don't have a ton to say and I think I need to like sit and think about it more because I just barely watched it. Um, so I don't have a lot of like super coherent thoughts either, because I had never seen this before mainly because I've spent my entire adult life avoiding watching it because I know what it's about. <laughs> so like I knew the basic outline of the plot and I was like, oh no, that makes me uncomfortable. I will not be watching that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That's a hurdle. So, yeah. So it's just like a, you know, a little bit of self-preservation. And I, I don't think my mind is, has changed after watching it. Like, just the age dynamics of and their relationship makes me kind of uncomfortable and like yes they're both adults 
but I think it's really rare that there's a relationship like that where there's not some kind of power imbalance or exploitation going on and obviously we're seeing what the filmmakers want us to see and maybe this isn't so much like a direct representation of a relationship that's happening as a vehicle to like help us think about certain things and that's fine and like I said I need to think about it some more but it also reminded me of my older brother was a high school teacher in Memphis for a while and he hasn't been for maybe seven eight years now but one of his students just got married to an 85 year old and she's 24 um and she's who I kept thinking about while I was watching this movie um mainly because I watched this and we kind of talk about the age dynamics and like it's okay because they're both adults but the main thing I kept thinking was if the genders were reversed we probably wouldn't be okay with this and generally society isn't okay with it and criticizes the women specifically really harshly for getting into relationships like that so that is all swirling around in the back of my mind while I'm watching this um and we kind of have talked and like beaten the trope about the manic pixie dream girl into the ground and that's I I hear the arguments for why maybe this is subverting that trope or maybe it's like an elevated or like more dimensional version of that trope. I don't really think it is. In the end, she's a vehicle to help him turn his life around. And I think that's, even though we get some of her backstory, I think it's kind of disrespectful to her character. Um. And the worst part, the thing I feel weirdest about watching this is, I feel, <laughs> I'm sorry, I feel really bad being so negative about this, but I identify most with the mom. And I think part of it is that I never watched this when I was nine or 14 or 21, you know, so I don't have like a different version of me to have different opinions about this. All I have is the version that, yes, would be rolling my eyes every time I walked into a room and saw that my son had pretended to kill himself again, which I'm sure for her was very shocking the first time or maybe the first three times or maybe the first five times that it happened. But at this point is probably, yeah, kind of an annoyance. She has to clean up her closet again because there's red paint all over it. Um. And she could definitely be making more of an effort. The therapist that she hooked him up with is not super effective. And I did kind of enjoy those scenes a lot, his therapy sessions. They're weird, and this guy is not good at his job. And he mostly seems to view Harold as like, an anomaly and kind of a curiosity instead of as like a multi-dimensional human being in need of help and assistance and healing and all and all of these things so that he can move forward in his life but um yeah I don't know those are kind of all of my thoughts very quickly laid out um I did take a few notes but let me see if I did really love the first scene where we see the uncle and just his office and somebody else hit on this already and like the gigantic portrait of Nixon like lovingly looking down at him. I really adored that. Um, 
it was weird. It was quirky. Um, that's about it. I'm sorry. <laughs> it just, <laughs> I'm glad that I watched it. So thank you for choosing it. Um, and like we've talked about a lot on this, some movies are like for a certain person and some movies are not. And I think this was just one that's, that's not totally for me. And that's, that's okay. I, this is I'm the not first gonna... movie. Oh, sorry. I was just no, gonna say this is not... the first one in a long time that was actually for Sean. <laughs> and that's oh, a I, wonderful I, thing. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad. I I'm not gonna talk a lot because I've already talked a lot, but like definitely this watching, I had a lot of those same thoughts about like how it really is a strange power dynamic and how she's like kind of this like elderly mentor to him and so the fact that it turns romantic is more uncomfortable than I had thought that it was before but the fact that I've had so many previous experiences watching this movie where that didn't hit me I'm really comfortable just dismissing that and like not not thinking yeah, about it and like but, I but wish like, I, I had I that experience it. to build on like I I kind of do wish now that I had watched it as an earlier version of myself so that I could not just so that I could have a different relationship to this story, but so that I could kind of compare those two reactions, you know, but. And the, the other thing that like, I think I think about this every time I watch it, but especially this time was like, would this movie be any worse if it weren't a romance, if it were just like a buddy, you know, if they were just friends that helped each other, like the only thing that really turns it into a romance is the one scene where they're in bed together. Like if they remove that scene, it could be kind of ambiguous and maybe, and the one reason that I really like that it does go to the romance is because I think it's so hilarious hearing like the priest talk about how disgusting her body is and like <laughs> yeah, all, I was these, wondering if all these responses the to it. The Maybe that's monologue. the only reason they did it so that you could have that like comparison. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, I'm done. Well, and you get to guess what the priest is going to say because it's like so labored, right? Like uh -huh. you can only get the first sound of it out and then it chokes him and then he like, <laughs> it, it, you know, vomits in his mouth and then he says it out loud. And then the next thing, you know, going from her saggy breasts to her flabby buttocks to whatever it was like, you just, I love that part so much. Yeah, that was so funny. Rachel's turn. I missed a lot, apparently. I mean, I did sleep through most of the movie, but I have watched <laughs> yeah. it. I've seen it before. I watched it with Chad a long time ago, like probably 15 years ago. I don't think uh, we finished it the first time we watched it. I don't know. I've never know. seen the whole thing through the whole way. This was the first time all the way. I remember seeing like the first half an hour, and then I'm like, oh, this is all new okay well what I got out of it was um the just reminded me of my sister so my sister's like wild and fun and um artistic and a free spirit and she's always living out her I guess fantasies she's trying to Yeah, lives in a cabin or lives in a in a what was the it house in, in Hawaii? 
She lives at my dad's house right now, but she. But I'm just good. saying that Maude lived in like a trailer in the side of a road in like the middle of nowhere, and I her sister like lives. In- Can you oh, just yeah. stop it? <laughs> okay. How Sorry. old is your sister, Rachel? My sister, she's fifty-one. Hitting fifty really upset her a lot, mentally, emotionally, both. But anyways, um. Yeah, right now, well, she was living in a container house in Hawaii. She goes back and forth. She lives in Sonoma. She's lived in Napa. She was a massage therapist making a lot of money. She has beautiful tattoos. She, um, I don't know, she's just really loud and says her exactly what she's thinking. And But then she's also like a little kitten and timid and... So she's all over the place and she's tiny. So she's just reminded me so much of Maud. And um, she used to drive a Mini Cooper and now she's just in these t- tiny little like Hondas. What are they, Chad? Honda CRV. Uh, little hatchbacks. I don't know. Anyway, they're tiny. And she is always with guys that are younger than her. So right now she's her best friend slash possible husband from uh like personal ceremony that they may or may not have done years ago anyway um it's a family mystery it's it's just i love thinking about it though i love imagining it like had them yeah cabin having this ceremony and my dad says he was there but who knows because he makes stuff up all the time so um Anyways, um, he's 10 years younger than her. I think he's, he might even be younger than me. I'm 40. I turned 40 last year. I think he, I think he was my age or like a year or two younger than me. Okay. So he's even younger than Chad. Chad's 38. No, you just turned 39. Whoa. whoa. <laughs> so, um, anyway, I just like that really struck me because I don't think I remember thinking that the first time through i remember really like being very interested and intrigued the first time through but probably like a little like weirded out too this time i was just like prepared for it and i knew what was coming and so i was like yeah he's committing to i don't know i was kind of bored by it almost because the scenes were very slow and um harold is just like this little fragile like uh, can I say nerd like he's so fragile and nerdy and I just feel like you can just like touch his shoulder and he'll like fall over or something I don't know so he kind of I was like Harold like I don't know just like stop making that face (laughs) just like be real for a second I don't know but um I loved it when he lit himself on fire. That was like my favorite scene. And I want to kind of watch it again because I I thought that date was hilarious. I loved his mom. I thought she was so funny. And she totally reminds me of someone in my life too that just kind of like completely ignores her children and just talks about herself all the time. I will not say who it is, but like... Oh no, who are you talking about? <laughs> 
<laughs> Why would I say who it is? No, I'm not going to do that. Put um, it in the right. chat. We won't publish the chat. Yeah, put it in the chat. <laughs> we. No, nobody knows this person except chat. I'll tell him later. Yeah, put it in the chat. No. <laughs> okay, fine. Um, but also, I just think this person irritates me when she's doing the things that she's doing but watching it in the movie i was like that's hilarious because i because it's real it was real it was very real and um there's not many people out there like that so it's fun that they they caught that anyway that's i love cat stevens every song was just perfect for the movie and when you listen to his music, you could kind of make up your own movies in your head. So it's very fun. Um, I didn't know about the Holocaust thing. I think I'm pretty sure I knew that the first time. We watched the whole thing. I remember I what you guys were think, talking about. I don't think I watched it. Well, maybe I did, but Yeah. Anyway. Um that's all. I don't know what I would rate it. I think if I'm looking for a movie that I want to sit and think about and like say and analyze, then I would give it five stars. But if I'm looking for a movie that'll keep me awake, that's not the one. <laughs> that's all. Love it. Is it my turn? Yep. Uh. So this was a 1971 movie, is that right? Yep. Yes. And did anybody talk about how like gritty 70s movies are? And wintertime in the Bay Area is just so green and rainy. And I just love the grit and color and the crispness of film from the 70s. I think this one wasn't like I should take that back. This one wasn't grainy and gritty. It looked great. So that was really fun. And holy cow, there's pencils everywhere. Hey, guys. What is it? It's nine o'clock. All the kids are just watching uh, Phineas and Ferb. And Dad, drawing. Turn, on your, turn on your video. I, okay, I will. I've got to go into the bedroom and sit down first. All right, video. Oh. Here we go. You guys see me? Oh, you shaved. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Look at that double chin. So um, I grew up with Cat Stevens. My dad had all the records, and then we had all the CDs. And we would just play them like every Saturday. So every single song that came on, I knew all the words. I was singing along. Even like the obscure ones, like T for the Tiller Man or whatever. So great. I love Cat Stevens. I loved his I feel his like car. I mostly know Cat Stevens because of you. Because we would download Cat Stevens songs from kazaa or whatever we were using yep freshman year we learned i think we learned trouble mm -hmm. uh we learned a, a couple's cat steven songs there's some really good ones 
and some of them were stinkers on this this one like if when they're at like the carnival and it had like this janky 70s beat and like piano it wasn't like a real like cat stevens classic i'm like oh this one's not good so he's not 100 percent, but he's 90 percent <laughs> hits and it brought me back to childhood and i hadn't listened to cat stevens for a long time um i loved his hearse car he got that sweet was that like a what kind of car was it was it a porsche sometimes it was a jaguar and then he converted it to a hearse um and i was really sad at the end that that car was gone but it was a good symbol of like moving on from his old life and into the new life with his ukulele that was (laughs) did you see how the ukulele was strapped just coming down across his chest that bothers straps. me every time it's like that's how we know I saw he doesn't that. really play the banjo i saw that and i'm like oh sean's not gonna like that one <laughs> and then uh he just started like walking i'm like oh where's he where's he gonna go now he's in the middle of nowhere and it's so fun that you can just be driving and all of a sudden you're in the redwood forest what a what a magical place right rachel What did you think of the uh, piano scene where she's singing? Because you've told us before that you hate when they like don't show the hands of the people, except <laughs> like it seemed like. Was yeah, it, play- it was. What was it, it was supposed so... to be a player piano though? Like, because she just like walks away and the song keeps playing. Well, that's the like... thing about this movie. Like the first song, the he puts on the record, and the record is playing for us and for him. Like, mm-hmm. there's a word for that in film. What is it? It's it's um it's music that's like playing on their radio, but it's like it's playing for us. Uh shoot. I used to know the word for it. So it was whimsical, so I, I gave it a pass. Mm-hmm. It didn't it didn't bother me. Just because <laughs> whatever. But like even the way that scene is set up, like because yeah. she's behind the glass. No, so it kinda, yeah. it's, a, it's a cool setup for the like the cinematography of it. Yeah, that's it, Jessica. I'm, I'm pretty sure it is. Diegetic. You found it faster than me. Diegetic. Wow. Yeah, I like that sometimes. It doesn't always work, but I think it worked with this, especially since Cat Stevens was like the only music of a lot of the scenes. So they use Cat Stevens and then they use like classical music. So they were doing some classical drops where they're like dancing and waltzing together. Um, But some of the scenes I thought could have used a different score, like a movie score, but it was such a good, like independent uh, quirky move just to have Cat Stevens the whole time. I approved of that choice. I agree with Rachel. I'm like, Harold, stop making that face. (laughs) With his like wide eyes and his kind of open mouth, <laughs> and he's got Henry's haircut. We need to give Henry a haircut right now. It's rough. So, um, loved Maud, loved the mom, loved the priest. I thought the drill sergeant, um, uh, scenes were fun. The cemetery scene was great. 
flowers, picnics. Oh, man, there's a lot going on. I like how she threw the uh, Harold Loves Mod token into the ocean. <laughs> and he's like, what? I thought that was fun. I don't know. liked it, Sean. Good choice. Yeah, like Rachel said, I think we were supposed to watch it 15 years ago. I only remember the first half. I don't remember the end. Oh, did you talk about the Romeo and Juliet scene? When the dates came over? Only a little bit, but that one was so good. That was so good. And her acting was so good. And their costumes are so good. Like, all every single one of those dates costumes. Did you see, like, her neck choker? It was like a leather... Like four inches thick, weird necklace thing. The first date that's wearing that like gigantic girdle belt that has the ice cream sundae embroidered on it. Yes. The seventies were so weird. I Which love is like I did love that very much. And it's like accentuating a muffin top, so it's got yeah. layer layers upon layers. It's not defining I mean it is no. defining the waist, but probably not in the way that it's yeah. It's anti Spinx. <laughs> yeah, right. It's showing off. Oh man, it was good. Like the thick ties were fun. I loved how Harold would wear the same clothes as the therapist. And uh that was a fun trope and I loved it. Or when he like um, takes the time to move his tie like over his shoulder. <laughs> that's like, so just, good. He's just, just like, I want you to know how seriously I'm taking this. <laughs> Yep, when he was, did he have that whole thing? Was he gonna do that, like suicide by uh, katana? Anyways, like she asked about it and set him up, and then (laughs) I don't know. I thought it was fun. He had it all prepared. I don't know. What'd you guys say? Everyone loved it. What did Anthony think? Did he like it or hate it? He watched it when he was like nine. So he had, um, I don't know. That was his story was about when he watched it when he was young, not about what he thinks about the movie. Yeah. But get this. You'll have chat. to listen to the An episode. older woman that he knew showed the movie to him and a bunch of other boys who were like preteens at the time. Oh, jeez. Maybe as a joke. But I'm trying to figure that out. Like, like how how many 11 year olds are like, let's just push through this one, guys. Like, let's like like that's a that's a very interesting group it's of 11 just year olds. A fascinating situation. I know. I need everything to know about more. the story. Yeah, exactly. And I've I've been thinking this as we've been talking, and this just barely came to me. Like, do you feel like it was like in response to the graduate or like reactionary cinema or anything like that? Because it's like Simon and Garfunkel do all the songs for this. Yeah. This movie. What year was the graduate? Was that 69? 67, 68, something like that. Yeah. Okay. 67. So if you have that, like Simon and Garfunkel, all these songs, older woman, quote unquote, seducing a younger guy. Yeah. I, I I wondered about that, and then which one really is the happy one, or do they even need to be? But kind of interesting how they kind of go together. The scenes in the yeah. in the pool. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, I actually like the framing of it as a risk, like a direct response and almost a spoof of the graduate. That makes me feel a little bit better about it. <laughs> Thank you for that. I, I'm just, I, I think it's a possibility. I, I, I'm wondering about it. I'm going to choose to believe it is. An improvement, more like it, right, Sean? Number one movie of all time, <laughs> or number top it's three. It's up there. Rachel didn't I, like The Graduate, so Harold and Maude by default is better, right? Yeah, it's definitely uh, quirky and, I don't know, loved it. I thought it was good. Good choice. Fun choice. Five stars. So I just want to add this, that Colin Higgins wrote this screenplay. He was the one that wrote it, right? Yeah. Um, as a master's thesis when he was 28, which would have been the year The Graduate came out, whether it was before or after he saw it. We don't know. That's all. Gosh, there's, well, I, think, um, I think there's something there. There could be, and Harold is way better than Dustin Hoffman. So even though I didn't like Harold's faces, he's way better than Dustin Hoffman. Is there a good movie that has Dustin Hoffman? There probably is. So the, <laughs> it's, like, it's, like the most, the, it's like the most decorated the actor of the 20th century. Rachel doesn't like what's Dustin the inspirational really? feature movie he's in? Ugh. <laughs> Mr. Holland's Opus. Should we watch Mr. Holland's Opus next? That's, that's not Hoffman Dustin Hoffman. Isn't that Dustin Hoffman? That's what I Dreyfus. Oh, Dreyfus. Oh, yeah, no, okay, Dreyfus. never mind. What about Hook? Yeah. You guys don't like Hook? He was in Stranger Than great. Fiction. He was cute in that. Yeah. <laughs> Rachel dropped some okay. bombs. Okay, There's one where it's like him okay. and some old ladies, and he's he says, uh, I'm going to dance your socks off. Yeah, And it's the worst acting. It's the worst acting. Tootsie, uh, he's great in that. So wait, that's the other connection because Hal Ashby was originally supposed to direct Tootsie, and he did all the like makeup and costume test shots, and then the studio fired him because it was the '80s when he was fighting with the studios. So, yeah. Oh no! Well, Tootsie was still a good movie, at least from what I remember of it. He was he was in a Noah Baumbach movie too. Uh, which one is that? The Meyerowitz stories. Yeah, it's on Netflix. He was really good in that. Ben Stiller, Adam Sandler, was great. Mm -hmm. Ben Stiller did Severance. Oh, uh, Kramer versus Kramer. He was great in that. Oh yeah, you're not going to convince us that Dustin Hoffman's good. I'm on <laughs> Rachel's side. Have you seen Kramer versus Kramer, Chad? No, I haven't even seen Tootsie. <laughs> and I turned on Hook. I used to think it was good, and I don't think it's good. It made me really angry last time I watched it, to be honest. I want to watch a Peter Pan movie, not a depressed dad movie. <laughs> well, because Rufio <laughs> dies and then they don't care. Like, he's never mentioned again. Because <laughs> they like, did he die for nothing? For nothing? So. I thought Rufio was so cool when I was eight. I thought the kid that tucked his legs up and rolled down the plank was cool. Yeah. That was my hero. Even though he stole that one guy's marbles. You are the pan. <laughs> yeah, he lost them good. All right, anything to wrap up, guys? I, I really want to know if I really want to know if Jason liked this movie or not. I'm uh, really he sad he's not it. here. Yeah. And Karen. 
Remember when Jason <laughs> used to be part of movie club and what would watch movies with Karen and then we'd find out his notes and then <laughs> what Karen liked it or not. So it's worth it, Dave. I missed it. <laughs> I feel like Jason has had a huge impact on the way all of us watch movies because almost everyone mentions it when he's not here. <laughs> like when I'm watching a movie for movie club now, in the back of my mind is always, I wonder what Jason thinks about this. He probably <laughs> thinks this. <laughs> he probably thinks that we're not friends. Always with us. <laughs> that's that's the running thing for Jason now is like he's he thinks that he's not friends with everyone since he wasn't friends with Maureen. <laughs> All right. Loved it. Good choice, Sean. So we decided to give Jason and Will a chance for March. And if they uh, don't want to, then we'll go to Anthony. And if Anthony can't commit, then we'll go to Paul. So, so Paul, you're like three or four deep. Be ready. I will prepare appropriately. <laughs> <laughs> I am ready I to have... I started making a list. No, but like apparently my uh, picks are the ones that get... It's already a low number of hits, and mine are the least by a pretty significant number. <laughs> like, so we're one, all there on your episode. Like the we, one that the one that we I don't was, have to go back and listen. It only had three people. Looked... You guys had twenty two. Like, what is this? Wow. No, no one had twenty two. That was like Marine had twenty two. Oh, that was Marine. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. Yeah, Escape from Q Hall. Has... So we need to get Marine on this podcast if we want to get more listens. Is yeah, what that's what it comes down to. Well, I think if we want people to listen, we need to tell people about it. <laughs> and I'm not telling anybody about it. It's it's a private no. chat. No one can know. Oh, especially this is for and, us and us alone. Yeah, and Anthony blew the roof off the thing tonight. He was he was just sharing his soul. So there's no way we can tell anybody about it. Nice. Unless whenever I tell anybody. About. Whenever I tell anybody about Movie Club, I intentionally don't use the word podcast because I don't want them to look for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's hard because all my podcasts are in the same uh, Chad's Various Podcast link. And so if I like share a Weezer link, does that mean they have they potentially have access to like Escape from Pew Hall? Uh, it holds up. Weezer, Modest Mouse, uh, Emerson is Pain Ten Year Reunion. What other things have we done? Oh yeah, the, the one where we talked about Sunday Night Lights, Sean. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Can you didn't imagine you have a person listening to Oh that? my gosh, yes. D didn't you have a whole <laughs> mission podcast? That's the one yeah, that I haven't listened Jacob to. Polson, Jacob Polson hosts that. Okay. I would send him the MP3s and he would, those are still up. The last one I did will probably be my last one ever, which is sad. I did it with uh, Stephen Porter and he had diabetes and we were talking about his diabetes and he had like a foot that wouldn't heal and he was really sick and he died two months later. Oh my word. And it, like unexpectedly. And so I kind of shut that down. It's done. It was very sad. He was awesome. 
Yeah, but you have more people requesting an interview with you. That's too bad. Too bad. That's done. Well, I don't have time now. I got to talk music with Paul. <laughs> I think I'm going to bring back the it, it Holds Up because I've got some songs I want to talk about. What's the what's the format for that one? The music one? <clears throat> it's a song from your youth that holds up. It's a song from your youth that doesn't hold up. And some music today that you like. Okay. That'll be that'll be really fun for me to prepare for. And then I'm not entirely sure my heart will be able to take it if there are like any different opinions other than the ones that I think are right. So no. Um, I mean, you can go back and listen to what was it, Jason Merritt's episode. Uh -huh. There are definitely differing opinions. Oh, really? And and I had different. I said that Beck didn't hold up, and uh, Sean and Jana jumped on me for that one. Yeah, he I don't remember that, but I'm ready to jump on you again for that one. Yeah, he just released a <laughs> super beautiful single, like a little acoustic. Did he? He's, yeah, he's like the most eclectic boy ever. It's incredible. No, I'm talking about, well, yeah, I don't know. I I mean, and then we talked Weezer, and me and Sean didn't like Weezer, but then all of a sudden, we do like Weezer. Because <laughs> Andrew convinced us that Weezer is good. Modern Weezer is good. <laughs> all right. Oh, yeah. Thanks, Rachel. Summer? Summer's the worst one. But spring is good. I know, but I like summer, so I always have to get you on that. Because <laughs> I know you don't like it. <laughs> All right. Anything else, Jessica? She gone? I'm here. Is it like midnight, past midnight there? Yeah, it's 1216. <gasps> All right, well... I'm going to go lay in bed for two hours until I fall asleep. When uh, season two comes out of Severance, we'll do a Severance uh, podcast and talk man, Severance. It's so good. Did you finish Severance already? You got yes, all the way to the I end? Just, oh, man. Oh, yeah. It just I like... binged it all the way. No that spoilers! That cliffhanger no is such spoilers. a cliffhanger. It's, it's the way that it ends. Just that... I can't. <laughs> the stuff that... Ha what? I just I don't know what to say about it, but I love it. Who's, who's if you like that character? show, here's some other weird sci-fi shows you should. Well, watch. who's your Did favorite you character of Severance? I can't remember. I'll have to think about it and get back to you. Okay. Um, did you watch Devs? No. Okay, watch a show called Devs. Have you ever heard of Outer Range on Amazon? Yeah. Is it good? It's very strange, but very good. Strange and kind of a. Totally different topic, but strange. It feels similar to Severance somehow. Those are the only two, actually. That's it. Oh, okay. I do know who my favorite character is. It's who uh, John Turturro. Oh, yeah. Carl. Oh, and that Carl. whole storyline uh, is so unexpected. Him and Christopher Walken. So much. Yeah, but no spoilers for Carrie. No spoilers. Christopher Walken's great. Yeah. My favorite's Rickon. That whole Rickon situation. And the sister. I love it. I love Rickon and the sister. I wish I could read Rickon's book. Rickon? He's the brother-in-law. Oh, 
yeah, I forgot. I want to read that book too. Oh man. Oh, and the guy, the the not John Turturro, the guy with like the little nose and the big glasses, and his glasses are always falling off his nose. Mm-hmm. He's oh. so good. All right, love it. Hey, thanks for staying on for me to jump in an hour later, and you guys are still talking. <laughs> the longest episode ever, Harold and Maude. <laughs> cool. Anything else? I move that we adjourn this session of Movie Club. Uh, all in favor, say aye. 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 <laughs> I have it. See, uh, oh, uh, Jessica, send me the link, please. I will. It'll be tomorrow because it takes a really long time to like render. I hear you. It can be in like a week. I don't care. You too care. <laughs> <laughs> he says he doesn't care, yeah. but he's going to be texting me at like noon tomorrow. Like, where's the link? Okay. That's right. Bye, you guys. Yeah, bye, bye, everybody. Bye.